Mandalorians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-Z. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the end times continue recording on this the 3rd of March. Oh, the Ides of March are upon us, aren't they? Um, I am Dino, and you are. Nice. Oh, man. Uh, it's been, I thought, when we were talking before the show started, I thought, I thought, I was thinking, you know, it's been kind of a light week. It's been sort of a light week. And then I started looking through stuff, and I was like, oh, no, wait, there's been stuff happening, but it's all been, like, sort of under the radar kind of bullshit uh, foreign policy mm-hmm. that nobody talks about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm just very bad at t- like um like time placement in general, like where I am in relation to week to week. Uh like of if in relation to events, I should say. Dude, I like, totally what happened that. this week specifically or what happened last week specifically? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I had forgotten and and this was something this something I will talk about today because we didn't have the opportunity to talk about it last week because it happened right after we finished the show. But I had thought before we started recording, I had thought that the Aaron Bushnell thing happened uh, last week, and mm-hmm. it didn't. It was it was it was after we recorded the last show that that occurred. Um. Okay. Speaking of, do you want to just talk about that real quick? Sure. Um. So Aaron you want Bushnell. To what happened? Right. Yeah. I... Yes. Yes. Aaron Bushnell was a, was a was a kid. He was a uh, a, a twenty. I believe he was twenty five. Um, year old, uh, active duty airman. And he, uh, burned himself alive in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington. Um, to protest Israel's, it's being sold, this, so many things about the story make me mad. To protest Mm -hmm. Israel's treatment of Gazans. Israel's behavior in Palestine is what he was protesting. Um, and so he, he self-immolated in, in front of the Israeli, uh, in front of the Israeli embassy there. Um, Hmm. he had said as he was walking up to the, to the, the, he had, he streamed it on the internet. Mm -hmm. And he, as he was walking up to the sort of driveway of the of the embassy, he said, uh, he said, I'm about to engage in an extreme act of, pro-. this is very close to an exact quote, but it's not perfect. He said, I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, but in, by comparison to what's happening in Gaza, it's not that extreme at all. This is what our, del- our leaders have decided is normal. He said, uh, he said, he can no longer be complicit in genocide. Mm-hmm. He stood in the driveway of the Israeli embassy. He poured um, what was probably lighter fluid or gasoline out of a hydro flask over his body Mm -hmm. and then lit himself on fire and was yelling free Palestine until he was just yelling. And then he collapsed. And he died of his injuries uh, the next day, I believe. Mm. Um... So what's your okay? I want I want to put I want to I want to do this before before anything else because I did the same thing with my brother. My my brother is a uh, my brother was in the military. I've talked about that before. Um, mm-hmm. and I called him and I and I asked him about it. 
And there's other reasons that I that I expected he would know about it. He didn't know about it. Um. So I, I, I called him and I asked him his thoughts. And so I want to do the same thing here. After, after having heard the story and knowing exactly what happened, what's your initial re- response to it? Like your initial sort of... And I know you knew that this occurred already, but what was your initial response uh, when, you, when initial, you saw this? My initial response is, you know, I, I think the situation is very tragic, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like that it happened. Um, I'm probably more sympathetic to martyrdom than probably most people so i don't think it's inherently a bad action always but i do think there are times when it's wasted right Mm -hmm. um and i think here i don't think it's going to achieve the effect he probably wanted so i think it was probably just you know in some sense martyrdom is sad but it sometimes it can be you know um helpful and i'm i don't think it's going to be that helpful uh truthfully uh this act of but you know um what what he did so which is a sad I, thing I, yes yes because he i i know what he expected what yeah. he expected was that this was going to be such a powerful message that for a moment the world would stop and everyone would think what the hell are we supporting yeah and, and to be i i know like for some people they might be like immediately dismissive of that because a lot of times the world just keeps on moving and doesn't care and that's true right that like a lot of times it doesn't but sometimes there are times when people do stuff like that and people like it it snaps and it does minds work. you know yeah. and there is it there are times when it does work and that's why people sometimes engage in this yes um but a lot of times it doesn't right? okay, it was mcnamara during the vietnam war yeah, there was but, a quaker i forget his name who burned mm-hmm. himself outside of mcnamara's window in protest of the Vietnam War. And mm-hmm. um, McNamara had said later in an interview that he remembered that forever. Like, that, yeah. that, that actually fucked with him. And so, in that instance, it's effective in that way. Yeah. yeah. But it's not related like, to the like Vietnam some... War either, you know? <laughs> right. No, for, for sure. Yeah. Like, so, because sometimes, like, the reason people think that will work is because sometimes it does. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, sometimes... Because like what uh, there's uh, I don't remember who said this, but there there's some uh, quote about like revolution, which is that all revolutions start by one person taking a leap of faith and then hoping that everyone else will like follow them. Yes. But sometimes you just take that leap of faith and you fall and then you're executed. Sometimes you, you take a leap for... of faith off a cliff and nobody's there to catch you. Nobody's right, there exactly. to follow. You're alone. Yeah. Right. So like again, I understand why he did this. Um, I, I'm sure he thought that it was going to have more of an effect than it, it probably did. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't really like the takes that this was obviously just a mentally ill person. Um, because I don't think that's necessarily a uh, correct way to look at it. That's right? one of the things I was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah. This thing like, was being reported he, all over the mainstream news as the suicide of a mentally ill veteran. That's how it was being framed. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Like, okay, it's possible. Look, look. It's possible that look, I okay, I, I don't want to get I don't want to derail this. I, I'm skeptical of the the um label of mental illness in the first place. Um um not of like yes, mental yes. not of like mental divergencies or something like that, but of like the label specifically. Um Yeah, we need to do our episode but, on that. We're we still need to do an episode. We, we do. 
Yeah, but so I'm skeptical of that already. But even if he, there were, even like even if they went in and they found that oh he was on medication for this or this or this, it doesn't at all say that he did this because he was crazy or something right. like that. It's like you can make an extremely logical, rational case about why he did this and the effect he expected to have. Um, one of the things that I saw people saying, one of the responses that I saw from people just on the internet, right? And this was mostly from conservatives. What would would be to counter what you said? They, they was like, well, obviously he was mentally ill. He burned himself. Like like that's the right. that's sort of the way right. that they respond to it. But my issue is that first of all, self immolation, if you know anything about it, as a form of protest, goes back for as long as governments have existed. Like like people have burned themselves on the steps yeah. of their governments forever in order to protest right. things. Yeah. Um, in general. It's like, do you think all martyrs throughout history were just mentally ill people? Or maybe, you know, maybe under their definition, maybe they were mentally ill, but did they do that because they were, they had some type of uh, difference in their brain, you know? Right. It, it doesn't follow that. Like, it, those two things are not mutually uh, exclusive. The other thing that happens, and this is something... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I want to finish up a, a, an earlier thing um, before we get to this, because it does yeah. link into something we've already talked about on the show before. But, um... No, the 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 idea that that this was just a a the the suicide of a mentally ill veteran is it, it seems insane to me for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it, mentally ill veterans just eat a fucking bullet. They don't they right. don't go yeah, to the steps of the Israeli embassy and burn themselves right. and call it a protest. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's what that's what veteran suicide is. It's 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 private and it's silent and it's tragic partially for that reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and 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 this is and that's not a fair representation of what happened here. And all the mainstream box go along with that framing of the story, kill yourself. Because this is <laughs> that that is so fucking dishonest. Right. And it's one of those things, right, where it's uh, factual, but not truthful, perhaps. Like, maybe if they can find something that would like if they find I I don't know too much about him, truthfully, but if they found that he was on some medication for some like mental uh, thing, right, uh, it could be factual that he killed himself. He was a veteran and he had some some things we we socially call mental illness. Right. Yes. Could all be true. And those could all be factual, but that's not the whole truth, right? Exactly. So when you frame it that way, it's just dishonest because you're not uh, accounting for the the overall context around everything. Yeah. The, the other the other thing that, and I think I think this is kind of a related thing we talked about before on the show on our episode with uh, Patrick McFarlane on the Christmas episode from what was it, two years ago. Um, at this point, because it was the Christmas before last, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. two two years ago. Um, well, two years ago, the Christmas before last or, is not quite or, two yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, you, you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. that's two what years ago yeah. by the numbers, not two years ago to the actual time. Frame. Anyway, right. Um, the the so the the that, that episode we talked about Patrick McFarlane's uh uh why can't Johnny kill or why Johnny can't kill? I always mix that up. Um, yeah. But his the documentary that he made about moral injury uh in in the military. Yeah. And and I wonder, I wonder this: Is it mentally ill? Is is there? That's a that's a loaded question. I should say: Is it fair to describe as mental illness somebody's response when they look in the mirror and what they see is a tool in the 
genocidal empire that is the United States support of Israel and other genocidal powers throughout the world. Like when, if, if what you look if what you see when you look in the mirror is a tool for the regime, right? Right. Is it, is it mental illness to respond in this way? And I'm not saying that it's because I, I don't think it's the full story when a person looks in the mirror and, and, you know, a person who's in the military, just a guy in the military. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's the whole story, but it can be to them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to derail this episode into our mental illness episode that we were planning on doing. But I, I do want to say that uh, the the general definition of mental illness is just a mental faculty that prevents you from a, like socially or living in society like like the average person right. is basically the definition uh so under that wide and arbitrary of a definition uh yes that uh, like having some type of moral injury uh in some sense where it debilitates you would be a mental illness under their standard uh not mine but no but under well i i think uh, it's i think it's reductive to 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 say that and 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 i i agree with you that that's what they would say um right. but i think it's reductive to say that someone who feels the moral injury of their position in the way that he obviously did he considered himself to be complicit in in a genocide there is a genocide yeah. first of all yeah. people keep denying that fact it it's happening um, if you want to not call it a genocide and just call it an ethnic cleansing, fine, right? But ethnic cleansing it's is the same probably... thing that's happening. Yes, it, like whatever you call it, the word you use, the same thing is happening. Like yes. no, no matter what we call it, you know. So. Yes, the only reason I call it a genocide is because of things that that we will talk about later. Because if you yes. remember at oh, the yeah, beginning I'm not of this, you, I'm just saying, I'm just talking about the people who will be like, oh, actually, it's an you know an ethnic cleansing. It's like, sure, okay, well, whatever. Well, sure. I was I was very specific to call it an ethnic cleansing at the beginning of it. Back mm-hmm. in back in uh, December, sort of, I was very specific about calling it an ethnic cleansing because I wasn't convinced that it was actually genocidal. That what was actually happening was genocidal as opposed to an ethnic cleansing. Um, and I flipped on it, and I think there's evidence for it. So that's why I'm saying genocide now. But in either case, if you're not convinced it's a genocide, it's at least an ethnic cleansing, right? Um, right. And and it doesn't really matter because both are bad. Um, (laughs) but in any case so so the if if a person sees themselves as being complicit or being helping something like that to occur i i don't think that having a despondent reaction to that and a reaction that makes you want to engage in an extreme act of protest is is strictly uh, uh irrational is what I'm trying to say. It's not yes. irrational to have that response. And, and I think part of it, what people are saying with the mental illness thing is that they're trying to sneak in that he's totally divorced from reality. He's not. Right. No. Yeah. And like, look, it's possible that he may have overestimated how much he was to blame for any of this. Right. I think that's very possible. Uh, maybe oh, very yes. likely. In fact. Yes. Um, but I don't think... And this may be, you know, kind of a, a controversial take. I don't think that type of response to like, I'm like, I've committed evil and I want to use, you know, the remaining life to bring awareness to the things like the horrible things that I feel responsible for. I don't think that's necessarily bad, truthfully. 
um, that type of mindset. I think there's bad ways to go about it, but I think that mindset of that yes. is perfectly rational. Yes. I, I mean, it's what motivates people to become whistleblowers. It's what motivates people to, yeah. um, you know, do the, the, the thing. I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a Marine who's now a, a major, major anti-war protester and he, or an anti-war activist. Um, it could be the case that what he did was out of proportion. Right, uh, given the, what the what the you know outcome isn't, I guess. Um, but the mindset, I think, is perfectly rational. I I know my brother's reaction. I think is my favorite reaction that I saw to it. And and I've seen a lot of people like struggling to sort of wrap their minds around it. But my brother's reaction was, "This is what he said." I I told him what happened, and he said, ah, "There's better ways to go about that, man." Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm just like, yeah, yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, that is exactly it. There are better ways to go about that. It's not it's not even necessarily saying that what he did was was categorically wrong. Right. It's not a moral right. judgment on it, on the on the yeah. on on the goodness of the action. Um, it's it's just saying that, boy, there's better ways to do that. You know what I mean? Like, there's really I, better ways to handle this. I have some hot takes about that that I will not say on the show because they can come across as very fed posty. Uh, but uh-huh, uh-huh. Leave- I, I think I, I think I understand where you're going. Yeah. Okay. It's like, like <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't, I'm not going to advocate that anyone just, you know, cut their life short, uh, unnecessarily. Yes. yes. Or do something to, or do something to bait that perhaps. Or, or yeah. Or look, if you are committed and there's nothing I could do to change your mind, there's ways to do it that I think would probably be a net good uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> overall. Yes. Yes, there there probably are. <laughs> I I absolutely agree with you. Um yeah. yes. But th- that's kind of the that's kind of the the that's kind of the thing about it, right? Is that it it's the most sort of non-violent way that you can engage in a violent right. protest is to commit that violence against yourself. Right. Yeah. And not just violence, but doing it in such an, a public way, yes. right. In such a, a visceral way, because that the point of that is to draw attention, right? It, it's not, you know, the whole framing is just mental illness. Like it's just, Oh, some crazy person lit himself on fire. You know, that's yeah. just dishonest about what happened it is dishonest and and there's another thing that bugs me about this and i think it's a broader sort of sort of point but how many of these goddamn conservatives talk about honor culture and honor and 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 all this other this 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 sort of masculine idea of honor that they get from this idea that they're a fucking gall or they're uh they're a fucking samurai and all this other shit exactly you know what you know what the samurai used to do when they would feel when they felt they dishonored (laughs) Yeah, when they uh, felt so, they dishonored themselves, they gutted yeah. themselves publicly. Yes. Yes. Whole groups of them, when they fucked up, would gut themselves yeah. publicly. I'd have a whole lot more respect for the ATF and FBI if after Waco, they just publicly... Uh, <laughs> just a shitload of FBI agents with Bill Clinton yeah. at the fucking front of it. Just... <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Everybody with their knees on a pillow. Just... <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. 
Exactly. But I'm sitting there, I'm just like, you see all these conservatives talking about that shit, and then their response to something like this is, oh, he was obviously mentally ill. It's like, you're not ready for the requirements of an honor culture, are you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what, that, what, you're, what you, you think, you think you want the world where, you know, you have to commit seppuku if you allow your daughter to be assaulted or something like that. Like, you, you want that world for yourself. Right. But you'd be the first one dead in it. And I know some people have responded, well, you know, he could have just, you know, used his life to try to bring awareness and instead of, you know, uh, offing himself in the way he did. And, you know, what? look, that's true. But I, I think the reason I, I'm not in his mind, like I, I can't, I, I could not read his mind, you know, what he thought and w- about why he did. Well, this is part but, of the tragedy of the thing is we can't ask him. You know what I mean? Like we can't I, ask him what he actually but, thinks about things anymore, which which is right. more valuable, I think. <laughs> and I think the well, people were because I, I know like the common response will be like, well, you know, he he could have like dedicated his life to you know. Uh, charities and causes and stuff like that. But I, I think, you know, to play devil's advocate here for a second against that, I, I think his idea was that he want, he thought that maybe by doing this, he could tip the needle, right? Yes. Um, whereas, like, like, it's not bad to, like, of course, you know, go for, like, charity and stuff like that. But the truth is most people are just apathetic to, like, things going on across the world that don't affect yeah. them directly. Uh, and I think he thought that, well, maybe by doing this, he can sort of like bring the horror home to them in some sense in a like a visceral act yes. in order to like wake people up. It's so that's, you know, it's the whole purpose. Now, again, you can it, it may absolutely be the case that, yeah, he could have helped this cause more by not doing that. And I think that's probably true, given the consequences. That I don't think this is actually going to have the effect he thought it would have. No. Um, well, it already true. didn't. It was already, you know, the, the next day on CNN, mentally ill veteran kills himself. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come so I, on. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, but the his reasoning, I don't think was off base, given what he wanted to accomplish, or what he thought he was going to accomplish. Um, yes. And the fact that it has mattered. I mean, we all, we all grew up with, when you go to school, there's always that picture of that Vietnamese monk sitting there burning right. himself in your social studies textbook. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, that's yeah. the social studies. I don't know if everybody has that. That's what we called, that's what we called uh, civics and history in Texas. It was all one class all throughout your your elementary school years and it was called social studies and that's that was the class um but in that textbook that's the picture that's there is the is the vietnamese monk burning himself to to protest the treatment of buddhists um in china i believe right no vietnam uh but they use that as propaganda for like the vietnam war yeah sometimes it works you know sometimes it works (laughs) right um, I don't know. I just, I, 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 the, 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 here's the thing. I don't blame him for having done it. I think it was no. a, I think it's a hard in the right place kind of situation. Um, I, I just, I wish for his sake that it had the effect he wanted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My whole thing is that I, you know, if I hadn't been able to, like, you know, uh, had any correspondence uh, with him, it would be like, 
this probably won't have the effect you want it to have. You're not going to tip the scales, dude. They're just going to say you're crazy. Right. And that's, and it's sad that that's people's, that that's what that has to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for people to burn themselves. I want to be very clear. (laughs) Right. Right. But as an act, Um, right, it's, this is not unique to this event. This is not strange to human history. This happens a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's double-edged sword, because on one hand, I, I like, actually, that people, in a lot of cases, are fairly apathetic in the sense that they don't get caught up in this, like, political maelstrom of having to have, like, you know, your average apolitical normie, right, that is just concerned with, like, you know, um, their own lives or the lives of their, like, close loved ones and stuff like that. And, you know, they just they just have, you know, uh, they have a job. They, you know, they just, uh, you know, they, they watch TV, but not, like, the news super seriously. They don't have a huge amount of idea what's going on. Yeah. I tend to like those people. Um, but on the other hand, when there is like a, a genocide going on, you're like, okay, I'd like to wake you up for like yes. 30 minutes. Can you please, you, okay. like, can you please just pay attention for like a moment? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand that feeling. And I don't, here's the thing too. I don't blame people for not knowing. Like I don't like, uh, and, and we've been, no, no, I think we've been pretty consistent on the show for saying like, not everyone has to care about everything all the time. Some people, right, I mean, no, you got no. you got three jobs and twelve kids you're trying to feed. You don't have time to give a shit about Gaza. I get it. It, it makes right. perfect sense. That's fine. Um, right. But uh, you know, on the other hand, it's like, I mean, where you can give a shit, it's nice too. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um. But I it, also I want to I want to say as well, Aaron Bushnell um has gotten the the lion's share of the attention with regard to things like this because his protest was very effective and by that i mean effective in the sense that it's very affecting to watch um yeah i watched the video i do not recommend anyone else do it if you do and i'll tell you what i told my brother if you watch it just watch until he pours the stuff out of the hydro flask it was you know lighter fluid or gas whatever it was and then stop the video um, cause there's nothing more interesting after that. You know what happens after that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you must watch it, do that. Uh, but I, I watched the whole thing. It's very affecting, right? Um, however, he is not the first person to have done this. Um, no. there is a Jane Doe who burned herself in protest of Israel's actions in Palestine. This is another thing that, this is another thing I have a problem with. Everywhere that is talking about it being a protest, which is itself rare, all these mainstream sources that are talking about it being a protest at all are saying it's a protest against the Israel-Gaza war, or the Israel-Hamas war. (laughs) That's not what's being protested here. No. This This isn't a protest of, I just don't want the war to happen. No. Right. No, this is a protest about Israel's actions. Yeah, it's one thing you know, and I, look, it's one thing to call for a ceasefire, which you know, I'm, I, I, I appreciate anyone who does call for a ceasefire. So don't get me wrong here, but it's another to actually, you know, say what this party is doing to this other party is immoral and just yes. stop 
immediately. Like there should be a general ceasefire, but let's also not let this other party off the hook for what they're doing. Yes. And when you have the kind of, again, you have the kind of moral injury of somebody who their position in the war machine feels outsized to them. Right. Um, yeah. And they, and the moral injury they suffer as a result of that, like, not only is it not, first of all, not only is it wrong to be supporting Israel in a genocide against Gaza. Well, for, okay, let me back up one more step. Not only is it wrong for Israel to be committing a genocide in Gaza, but it's also wrong for the United States to be supporting Israel in its genocide in Gaza. It's wrong for the United States yeah. to be using its military resources to support this thing. And it is wrong to do that to American boys. American yes. boys in American uniforms are looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, what the hell am I a part of? That is also right. a wrong thing that the United States government yeah. is doing. Putting yeah, and, those and people look, in I, that position. Look, I've never been in the position of like a soldier who like comes home and realizes like all the horrible things uh, that they've done. I, I've, you know, thankfully never been in that position or anything like that. A, a soldier who like experiences like real moral injury for like, you know, like we hear this like about like, you know, well, we still hear this all the time, you know, veteran suicides are uh, very high. Um, and, you know, uh, Vietnam uh, uh, servicemen who returned. Yes. Um, but well, we hear it from you know, a lot of people who come back, who came back from uh, Iraq War Two. A lot of those yeah, guys. And, 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 Again, I want to be clear. I'm not advocating, like, you know, any of these people, like, ending their life. No, uh, no, 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 no. Yes. I can understand completely, uh, like, the idea of, like, you have this belief about yourself that you just wanted to do good, uh, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then when that comes into conflict, there can be a real existential break. Right? People, like people a very, still very big moral injury. People still join the military because they want to protect their mama and they want to protect their bar, their their Dairy Queen yes. and they want to protect right. their Fourth of July hot dogs. Like people join the military because they want to do that. They they are attracted to the honor of it. They are attracted yeah. to the moral upstanding sales pitch of the military. Right. That's what right. they are attracted to. That's I know. We both actually know people personally. Who mm -hmm. that is what attracts them to this? I think we both actually know several veterans. Um, yeah, uh, and and because there's a lot of them in the anarchist community. Um, yeah, but the the that's what attracts them to the to it in the first place. And then yeah. you get there, well, and it's you, like, like, what the hell am I a part of? This this the, the the loss of the moral high ground is worse. Not just because uh, it's the loss of the moral high ground on, like, the international stage or whatever. That's one part of it. But you also have people who are carrying the weight of, the, of that loss of the moral high ground. Because they were there for it. They were part of it. I'm sorry, you were saying something. I just, I... <laughs> oh, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh, that's fine. Um, uh, I, I was just going to point out that, like, you know, whatever you think about him, like Adam Kokesh is a good example of this. He's like probably one of the more well-known um, libertarian anarchists who um, was uh, a veteran of the Iraq war. Um, and he has he he did this thing. Um, I, I think it was um, uh, forget what it was. It was called like the Winter Soldier, um, uh, like just where he was like sitting down with a bunch of other veterans and he was discussing um like what what it was like um over there and like sort of like the things he saw that really deeply affected him and this caused yes. him to sort of like 
question the state in in, in the first place. Um, um, so like this can like it doesn't happen that you know not all of them but uh, many veterans come back. And, you know, it's just like, you know, sometimes the cognitive dissonance, like, uh, and I'm not saying that in a, dis- a derogatory way or dismissive way, but sometimes it, it, it can be a helpful psychological protection mechanism from going to a very dark place, right? Um, yes. Uh, and, uh, but for some, it, it, that does not take effect. And they can see that, oh my God, I was a part of something that was really, really bad. And then they suffered this type of moral injury because of this. And um, I don't think it's like to call this like for people to call this like mental illness or something or you just need to be treated. You know, you just, there's something wrong with you for feeling this way and you just need to be uh, treated. It's like, no, that's not true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe they should, you know, they should be treated because maybe, you know, if you, you, you don't want to be debilitated by it. Sure. But for having the feelings in themselves, it's not. They, they need the treatment in order to work through those feelings. But the feelings themselves right. are totally legitimate. Like, like that's yeah. not there's nothing wrong. with it. Nothing no. wrong with feeling that way. It's not it's not crazy to feel that way. And right. by the way, right. it's not crazy to not feel that way either. There are people who have to protect themselves right. in different ways. but. The the thing that yeah. well, it's like with cognitive dissonance, it's not like it's not a conscious choice, right? Right. <laughs> like uh, to have that sort of like protective psychological mechanism. Yeah, I, I just um, want to be clear. I'm not so making yeah. the case that everybody who has ever spent time in the military should be inconsolable about their their their. Oh yeah, no no no. Yeah, no. I'm not I'm not trying to make right. that case. No. Uh, people yeah, respond yeah, to course. different things differently. I'm just saying with the case that I'm that I'm trying to make really more is that. If you are a person who claims to care about veterans, if you're a person who claims to care about the military, if you're a person who wants to have people in the military who are there for the right reasons and do want to protect their mama and their Dairy Queen and their Fourth of July hot dog, you have to have a military that is as morally upstanding as it pretends to be on the YouTube commercials. That's what you need. You have to have that because when you take that away, you leave these guys looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, what the fuck am I in? Right. Yeah. That is cruel. Yeah. Totally cruel. I, 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 I have no, I have no love for this leadership these, these, the, not just the government, but also the people in the military who pass these orders down to the lowest dude to go. And again, I, I was talking to, I was talking to my brother about it and, and, and we were talking about this idea of, of moral injury as a result of service and things. And it was like, you're supposed to have the ability to, if you disagree with something to say no to an order, if it's immoral, you're supposed mm-hmm. to have the ability to right. do that. If it's immoral, if it's illegal, you're supposed to have the ability to do that. And yet still somebody dropped the bomb on Abdurman Allah. And this is also the danger with honor cultures, too, actually circling back for a second, is because honor cultures can be very good if the, like, kind of hierarchical structure of it is also honor all the way down. Like, right. like the, as you said, like, the military has to exhibit the same honor that it's pretending to exhibit. Because for a lot of people, um, if you're in sort of this honor-based society, uh, you know, there is a certain... Um, um, expectation that okay if i'm being given an order it, it's it's obviously an order that comes from a place of this would bring honor yes. right um 
and disobeying the order would be an act of like selfish cowardice in some way um uh and and that kind of um pushes people to sometimes in these cultures unquestioningly follow orders because they feel like following them is just the right thing to do yes right um but when you have a sort of this um this inversion at the top where it's like yeah you should follow this they're really um preying on people's um want to have honor when they yes oh yes 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 the military takes advantage of young men's sense of honor yes so you know when these people give them orders um and the you know the the people at the bottom might have this feeling of uh you know and i i'm not saying this is true for all of them and I, i can't read minds um but, you know, I do know that for for many, there is a sense of like honor. Well, you know, it was my duty, you know, as a good person to obey my superiors. And that's fine if your superiors are giving you moral orders. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, if you want when, people to. Yeah, I, I, I. Yes, you're absolutely. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. No, no, no. I was pretty much done. That was, that was my point. Uh, all I was I was going to agree with you. I was if you want people to have faith in the again the, the 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 this upstanding honorable organization right you have to give them a righteous mission you can't you can't yeah. just say like you can't just you can't just say well you know uh we got to kill this guy for uh national security interest or something like that's not enough and as right. soon as they do a little bit of reading and realize the guy they just bombed was actually a 16 year old kid from Denver you think it's not going to fuck with him Right. Like that's like th- that is that is abusive. It is abusive to the people yeah. who who have again were first attracted to this because of that sense of duty, because of that sense of honor, because they feel again, they want to protect their mama, their dairy queen and their 4th of July hot dog. That's what they're there for. And you're taking right. advantage yeah. of that and having them kill people who do not pose a threat to them. Or using their position to, and one of the things that I think, I don't know if Aaron Bushnell received this order, but there was an order that went out to at least some of the Air Force that if something, if an order came down that they were to give intelligence or target selection uh, up the chain and, and give it to Israel, that th- it was mandatory. They had to do that. And so it's it's the kind of thing where it's like you, I don't know how culpable he Aaron Bushnell felt he was, but if he received that order, I can imagine he felt very culpable. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so I, I, you can't do this to these people. It's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. You're yeah. taking advantage. And, and- and again, I'm not saying that every military member is like this. Like, you know, I'm sure there's some people, there's a wide variety of reasons people could join the military, right? All, maybe not all of them so noble. Sure. Uh, but I'm saying that there's a portion of them, at least, that do feel this way. Um, and when the military structure uh, abuses that sense of honor in these young men, um, it can really as you said it it really fucks with them like that there's just, it, it is so abusive um like beyond belief um because like as you said like like if you're like for example if if you're in the military um and you're like a marine or something and your superiors say 
uh, there's people inside this building, um, and they're making a bomb, and they're going to launch it unless you go in and you kill everyone. And then they do it. They go in and they kill everyone. And they later find out that wasn't the case. They were actually just, like, servicemen working, like, supplying power or something. They mm-hmm. also, like, powered, you know, uh, maybe a, a terrorist group or something like that, but only incidentally, right? Or something like that. It's <laughs> this like, is the entire Iraq War you just described. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but you know it's not that the uh the, it's not that the soldiers were justified in doing that because they were wrong right the, those pe- the 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 um, workers in in there in this hypothetical were aggressed against and, and so the, it's not like they were they are justified because they were acting under false information but they are not moral monsters in the same way their superiors are this um, is a problem that, that I have with a lot of people in the libertarian or anarchist community is that they really enjoy shitting on veterans and I I don't want to say, here's the thing. There are some veterans who deserve to be shit on. Yeah. The ones who are just like, yeah, I don't care who I killed. Sure. Like, I, yeah. I, I think. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I, the, the guys who have no, and here's the thing. I think for some of those guys that may be cope. Right. So it's hard to know. I'm someone's sure cognitive dissonance too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but there are some guys who absolutely deserve to be shit on. I don't, I don't, I don't say that, yeah. but as a class, right. As a class, right. I see people who were sucked into that organization, especially the, the way that the organization stands now, the way that it sells itself to kids, the way that it, that it sort of presents itself to children, literal children, and, and, and sucks them into it and, and, and all that. Stuff. The way that, it, that all of that works, I see these people as <sighs> victims is unfair. They're adults, but they, are, they, are, uh, they were lied to. They were they were defrauded. Yeah. They were sold a bill of goods. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't mean to derail this, but you just brought up something that like uh, sort of like just gets on my nerves about the libertarian movement. And I'm not saying like no one talks about this because I, I know many I know I have many mutuals who talk about this, but I, for the life of me, do not understand why you know drag queen story hour. <laughs> everyone in such a kerfuffle, and not the fact that service members, recruiters, sit and prey on sixteen-year-olds trying to get them in high groomed to go yep. the military in high schools. In me, high schools, there was so a recruiter's office in my high school. Yeah, yeah. This was like this is not some random thing. This was very common. Like, and I just think that that is so much more worse. Uh, yes. In every they had posters and, they had posters in the counselor's office in my high school telling people to sign up to go to the military you could take the asvab at my high school as a right. high school student you could just go to the counselor's office and say when's the next asvab and take it like this is yeah, not it, like, the, 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 you're exactly right why is no fucking drag queen, drag queen story hours the big deal yeah, yeah. No drag queen ever wanted to throw me in a meat grinder and kill innocent kids. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Fucking priorities, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're that's that is that is its own fucking issue, but you're hundred percent right, yeah. dude. <laughs> that is that is the uh emblematic, dude. Emblematic of the lack yeah. of perspective. Yeah. Um anyway. So uh, that that's the that's the Bushnell story. It, it's I know it's very old news by the time this episode comes out, 
but it happened mm-hmm. right after we finished the last one. And yeah, well, it, it's it's deserves to be talked about. It does. It should be talked about. And the way that that this person's memory is being dishonored should be talked about. Um, yeah. And and yeah, it's it's just it's tragic. I I, I wouldn't suggest anybody uh, self immolate in protest of anything. But right. uh, I understand why he did it. And I think he did it because he has a good heart. And the fact that the, the fact that people are shitting all over that makes me sick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Speaking of shit, dude, this wasn't supposed to be a heavy episode. Um, <laughs> I guess speaking of why he did it, um, there was an event that happened, uh, uh, Late last week, early this week, I can't remember. Um, we'll find out here in a moment. Um, this is being called the Flower Massacre. The Flower Massacre. Uh, F-L-O-U-R, not F-L-O-W-R. Um, the IDF opened fire on a crowd of civilians in Gaza who were waiting on the arrival of an aid convoy. Um, They, well, I'll just go right to the story. This is from Middle East Monitor. Um, Early Thursday, Israeli forces shelled a crowd of Palestinians waiting for humanitarian aid south of Gaza City at the Al-Nabusi roundabout area. Al-Nabusi, I'm sorry. Roundabout area, leaving at least 104 Palestinians dead and 760 injured, according to the Gaza-based health ministry. Israel has launched a deli... Uh, I'm sorry, that just gives a little bit of a, of a background. So, the, this, this attack, Israel initially claimed it was the result of a stampede at this site, where, where people were waiting on this aid convoy, people got, you know, people just became unruly, and there was a stampede, and sure, Israel yeah. only shot like 10 people. That was the IDF's claim. Um, there was a doctor in Gaza who said that 80% of what he's seeing out of, out of the, like being treated out of this event is people who have gunshot wounds. So it's effectively been, I wonder if people, I wonder if people would get rowdy by being shot at. Uh, you'd think that's possible, right? Israel, Israel had put out, um, some footage of this where, like, you can see their shots, but, like, you can't see much else. It's, it's from above. It's drone footage. Mm-hmm. And so you see people running away, right? So there was a stampede, technically, <laughs> that did occur. Right. Um, it Again, didn't occur until the IDF was shooting people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... The response from the National Security Minister, uh, Ben Gavir, Israel National Security Minister uh, Itamar Ben Gavir voiced support Thursday after a shooting left more than 100 Palestinian, Palestinians dead as they were waiting for humanitarian aid in Gaza City. Quote, we must give complete support to our heroic fighters operating in Gaza who acted excellently against a Gazan mob that tried to harm them, Ben Gavir said in a statement. 
He reiterated his demand to halt the entry of humanitarian aid into Gaza, claiming it poses a threat to soldiers. Quote, Today it was proven that the transfer of humanitarian aid to Gaza is not only madness while our hostages are held in the Strip, but also endangers IDF soldiers, said Ben Gavir. He also called the incident, quote, another clear reason why we must stop transferring this aid. Ben Gavir, by the way, is the one who has said that there is no innocent Palestinians, that they don't exist. Oh, that guy. Yeah, same guy. Same guy. No such thing as civilians in Gaza, Ben Gavir. Yeah. So, he's a fucking genocidal maniac. Yeah. I think any, any military operation that he's saying, excellent work, boys, is probably questionable. Yeah. Um, there, is, there have been updates, by the way, on, on what's going on in Gaza, uh, and this story just has it in there, so I'm just going to run through it because um, we haven't given a count in a while. At least 30,000 Palestinians have been killed uh, and 70,000 others injured amid mass destruction and shortages of necessities. Um, when he was asked, by the way, this was, this was something that happened that, that not a lot of people covered, but, um, the United States, uh, so this was very interesting. Um, I'm pulling it up now. So Lloyd Austin was uh was giving a, a a testimony to the House Armed Services Committee, okay? And Lloyd Austin was asked how many um women and children have been killed in Gaza based on the Pentagon's estimates. And Lloyd Austin said it's over 25,000. Over 25,000 women and children. And that's the Pentagon's estimate. And that's actually, it's much higher than Israel claims. But it's, mm. it's, it's close, it's roughly close to what the numbers were coming out of the Gaza Health Ministry like a few weeks before this happened. So like, the, the, yep. the Pentagon is pretty close on the numbers to where the Gaza Health Ministry is on the numbers. And the other issue, too, is that the Gaza Health Ministry doesn't count the people who are under the rubble. They're counted as missing, not dead. So, Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Are they also, I mean, I don't know if you know uh, off the top of your head, so maybe it's an unfair question, but you know if, um, are they doing the thing where they count uh, 18-year-old males and above as military combatants, like what the Obama administration did? Uh, Israel, Uh, I think, is counting from 16 and above. Oh, okay. So if you're 16 years old, um, a male from 16 years old and above, and I you're think, killed. Oh, you know what? I could be thinking of the way that the Obama administration was counting. Um, right, because that's how they counted. Because that's what they <laughs> were doing. Well, yeah, okay. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure about Israel. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure they are. I'm, yeah, I'm, they're, it's, they're it's the same math as, as what the U.S. Yeah. was doing. I'm sure they're doing the same thing. Yeah, but I, I just, you know, I've talked about, we've talked about this on uh, previous uh, episodes here, but I wonder what the number is where someone would say, okay, now I can't support this anymore, you know? Uh, yeah, how big does that number have to get? 
And why? Why is that your number? Why couldn't it be one less than that number? Like, one less than the number, it's fine. But one more, and it's like, oh, obviously I can't support this anymore. Based on the arguments that I've seen from Zionists, okay? Yeah. Yeah. The, the things that they keep bringing up, all right? Hiroshima, Tokyo, mm-hmm. Nagasaki, yes, and Dresden. Yes. If you wow, add what stunning up, art. Yeah. If you add up all the casualties from Hiroshima... Nagasaki, Tokyo, and Dresden, add those all up, and I would say that the Zionists would, will be losing support at plus or minus 5,000 of the casualties of those events added together. <laughs> wow. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it's fucking sick, dude. <laughs> the, the, way that people, the way that people talk about this. The... Because, again, and this is something that Israel was saying not long ago, that, that, that uh, Netanyahu made this argument. The idea that what, what was happening, what happened in Dresden, and what happened in Tokyo, and Nagasaki, and Hiroshima, you know, we get to do the same thing now. Like, that's the argument. Bless you! My wife just sneezed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh-huh. argument that they're, that they're presenting. Does the United States get to um, blast Israel because of the USS Liberty? Like, what if we just sent um, <laughs> a bunch of, like, you know, uh, bombers over there and dropped hydrogen bombs on Israel? Would they be like, hey, you know, it's fair play, right? <laughs> like, obviously, <laughs> just like Pearl Harbor, you know, you, you know, if, if Nagasaki and Hiroshima uh, were justified responses to, to Pearl Harbor... Well, then why isn't that justifiable for the USS Liberty? You know, you'd think it would be, but um, based on the pattern I'm seeing, the United States just sells weapons to people who attack it. I mean, right. <laughs> you look at what happened yeah. with, you know, people related to Saudi royals and 9-11 and those connections that are there, and we keep selling weapons to the Saudis, and, and you know, the same thing with Israel, USS Liberty, we can't stop selling mm-hmm. weapons to Israel, so... Um, I'm wondering what it was that Ukraine attacked us. Like, when did that happen so that we're selling them so many weapons? I'm just not clear on that. Right. <laughs> it's fucking constant. It's constant, yeah. dude. Everybody who, everybody who fucks around, it, it, they only find out if they don't have oil. Or if they're not Israel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm. This, uh, this massacre was a, uh, a travesty, and Israel is also holding Lebanon over the U.S.'s head. This is something that's kind of terrifying. Okay, I don't know if you'd heard about this, but this is from Dave DeCamp at AntiWar.com. Um, post on the 29th, U.S. officials believe that Israel is planning to launch a ground invasion into Lebanon in late spring or early summer if a diplomatic solution is not reached, CNN reported on Thursday. Quote, we're operating in the assumption that the Israeli military operation is in the coming months, an unnamed senior Biden administration uh, official told the outlet. Quote, not necessarily imminently in the next few weeks, but perhaps later this spring, an Israeli military op- uh, operation is a distinct possibility. This was also something that Israel was holding over the United States. Head. I can't remember who it was, but an Israeli official had said something on the lines of, if there's a ceasefire in Gaza, that's when we attack Lebanon. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. So all these demands about a ceasefire in Gaza, right? There has to be a ceasefire in Gaza. It seems like Netanyahu's just saying, you make us stop fighting in Gaza, we're going to attack Hezbollah. In a ground war. Now you attack Hezbollah mm. and Lebanon in a ground war, who gets involved? Iran. Iran gets involved. The United States is at war with Iran. That's how it'll go. You know I mean? how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how Netanyahu has been talking about, like, how the U.S. military is, is talking about, talking as if the U.S. military is his own f- personal fucking mercenary force for dealing with Iran <laughs> for the past two goddamn decades. If there's a ceasefire, if you try to stop us from genociding these people, we're going to poke the bear. Yeah. We'll poke the bear, and you'll come fight him for us. Right, yeah. That's what. That's the secret message underlying all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. It's disgusting. But there might not be too much danger of that because, published on the first, this is written by Kyle Anzalone on antiwar.com, um, Netanyahu breaks off hostage talks with Hamas. Uh, after President Joe Biden predicted an agreement would come soon, the Israeli leader said he will not engage in further talks with Hamas until a complete list of hostages provided, by tel- provided to Tel Aviv. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told Qatari and Egyptian officials that Israeli officials will no longer engage in, in another or will not engage in another round of talks until Hamas provides a full list of living Israeli hostages in Gaza. This news is a blow to President Joe Biden, who predicted the deal would be done as soon as next week. On Friday, Axios reported, quote, Israel made it clear to Egypt and Qatar that it will, I say Qatar and Qatar, I don't know why, that it will not hold another round of talks until Hamas presents a list of hostages who are alive, Israeli official says. Uh, quote, there is no point in starting another round of talks until they receive the lists of which of the hostages are alive and until Hamas gives its answer regarding the, quote, ratio that defines how many prisoners will be released for each hostage. When they say that, they're talking about Palestinian prisoners being held in Israel, um, some of whom... I was going to say many of whom, but I don't know what the actual number is. So I'll just say some of whom, at least, are women and children who have protested too close to a wall or thrown a rock. Uh, those people are, are held in, in prisons in, in, uh, in mm-hmm. Israel. So those are the people who, and, and also some Hamas fighters and things like that, right? Like, that's, let's not like, act like that's not there. It absolutely is. Um... But yeah, that's, that's, that's what they mean when they say prisoners, is Palestinians <laughs> who are in, in prison in Israel. Yeah. Uh, the deal that's on the table would involve Hamas releasing 40 Israeli hostages in exchange for a six-week ceasefire and the release of hundreds of Palestinian prisoners. The deal is likely a non-starter for Hamas as its top demand is reaching a permanent ceasefire. Netanyahu has indicated that Israel is unwilling to agree to a lasting end of the fighting. A week ago, he explained that any hostage deal with Hamas would only, quote, delay the Israeli military operations in Rafah. We talked about this last week, Rafah. Yeah. Um, Rafah is a... If, if you didn't hear last week's episode, Rafah is a city, um, slash region, but city, in mm-hmm. southern Gaza... It's kind of difficult when you have a city of a substantial size. It's basically a region of a size of land the size of the Gaza Strip. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, right, right. But um, 
Yeah, and that's where uh, the Israeli military had told people to go to be safe from the bombing in northern Gaza. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on those leaflets and stuff like that. People were told to go to the south of Gaza, to go to Rafah. And now Israel is saying that it will launch a ground... It's already bombed Rafah. Um, Israel is saying that it will launch a ground operation in Rafah at the beginning of Ramadan. Oh. Hmm. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah. So, but they are, they are intent on going into Rafah. They are intent on it. And, and the reason they want to do it, and this is something that I can't believe people don't see, they want to do it because they want to force the Gazans into the Sinai. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's ethnic cleansing. I mean, that's how ethnic cleansing right. works. It's what Azerbaijan just did yeah. in Nagorno-Karabakh, right? Like, just force them to walk across the border, and right. they don't get to come back. Right. Yeah. Again, I, I know I'm a broken record already, but I, I just want to, sometimes when specifically, like, this applies to, like, anyone anywhere, but specifically when an American in particular talks about this issue, and they're very pro-Israel, just doing whatever it takes to, you know, get those hostages back or punish Hamas, you know, whatever the reasoning may be. Right. I just want to, like, grab these people and, and be like, okay. If some American terrorist group, even if it was the United States government terrorist group, uh, uh, like took some like Chinese or Russian uh, like civilians hostage because they wanted information out of them or something or they wanted a stronger, you know, uh, bargaining power to make some type of deal. Do you think China or Russia would have the right to go in and start bombing American cities, maybe killing your family in the process? Or what about pushing you out of your home and your territory and just keep pushing you farther and farther, like westward or something like that, or into the ocean or into Mexico? Would you, uh, you know... Would, would, I mean, I mean the, the, like, oh. part of the Abu Zubaydah case is the fact that he was kidnapped to a black site in uh, the Netherlands... He was mm-hmm. tortured right. there and then taken to Guantanamo. Right. That's a Buzabeta story. I mean, he was a low-level Al-Qaeda guy. Technically a prisoner of war, technically. But they took him and they tortured him in the Netherlands because they couldn't do it mm-hmm. on U.S. soil. And then at a CIA black site in the Netherlands. And then they took him to Guantanamo. And they've had him there since then. Somehow he lost an eye in the process. Right. You know, Guantanamo is actually the perfect example, right? Because it's like, we have prisoners there. We don't have, we don't know that they are necessarily uh, guilty of what they're accused of. Oh, the United States has kidnapped people and taken them to Guantanamo. There was a guy, I cannot remember his name, but he was taken to Guantanamo as a case of mistaken identity. He had the same name as a guy on the list. Right. So. Under that standard, America has hostages of people that they have not proven to be guilty of anything whatsoever. Yes. Uh, by that standard, wouldn't the host countries of those of those uh, those prisoners have the right under the standard that people are defending Israel for have the right? to go and start um, going after, uh, launch, at the very least, launching a raid on Guantanamo to free those prisoners, or maybe launching attacks in America to get to let uh, to make America free those prisoners. Either or. It seems that either or would be justified uh, under the reasoning of, um, 
of the reasoning that they're using to defend Israel. It's the same. It's the same reasoning. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you have another case on top of that where you have compulsory military service in Israel. Yeah, they're a slave state. Like yes, a, everybody who was yeah. kidnapped by Hamas is technically an IDF reservist. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, they can be called up whenever. Right. So. Right. I mean, are they are they hostages or are they prisoners of war? Right. And also, yeah, you going in that direction is interesting. But I was also going to say Israel is kidnapped. They have hostages of their own. They just call them citizens uh, as well. Oh yeah, no, absolutely that too. Well, I mean, they've done the same thing with Palestinians. You get too close to the goddamn fence right. and they arrest you. Right. So, so it's it's people are acting like. Look, I didn't, I didn't know Dave Smith was in is the president of the Israeli border. Which... <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not I'm not trying to make the case that Hamas has clean hands, right? No, I, that would be not. an insane no, case to make. Yes, um, but people who try to make the case that Israel has clean hands are equally insane. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, right? I would be much more like willing to like talk about the evil and I'm still willing to do it, but I'm like more outwardly like support supportive of like, yeah, these guys are these Hamas guys. The ones who did this are very evil, but it's like, I feel like I can't do that because all the oxygen is being sucked out of the room and being used to defend Israel's genocide. Exactly. So I feel like I have, because everyone like, all everyone including myself already knows uh, except for you know there's some people on the margins in the, that are like oh well actually you know i don't think hamas is that bad or whatever blah, 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 okay whatever but most people including myself and you agree that what hamas did was uh, completely immoral and unjustified right yes um most people seem to be and this is actually i think more contested luckily um than maybe it would have been in prior years but um most people from what i've seen are still like or a lot of people i don't know if i I don't know if it's most but a lot of people are defending israel and it's like well in the same way you would feel very uh very um you would want to confront me if i started like defending hamas um i feel the same way when people start defending israel for things that they're doing uh, when, uh, you know, just on a numbers game, right? Just on a numbers game, they're doing things that are uh, far more reaching than what Hamas could ever hope to do. Um, it's a good description, <laughs> the feeling that all the oxygen is sucked out of the room defending Israel, because you can't say, yeah. like, look, you, you, it, is, it is impossible to actually speak with any context on this without saying, I mean, if you're just going to come out and say, for example, Hamas has no justification for jumping over a fence and killing a bunch of people at a rave. Right. It's wrong to do that. Okay? Like, that's just categorically... But it's not wrong to do it because they're Hamas. It's wrong for anyone to engage in those types of actions. Exactly. And and what sucks about that the most is that you can't say that without giving the needed context that... And plus also, it was wrong for Israel to bomb the people who were trying to get away from that rave. Right. It was wrong. The Hannibal order was wrong. It was wrong for Israel to bomb the cars that the Hamas guys had Israelis in. That was also yeah. wrong. Like you can't you can't talk about any facet of this 
without putting it in its proper context. And like you said, mm-hmm. all the oxygen sucked out of the room defending Israel. When Israel has, Israel's got, over the two, Israel's hands are dirtier. Yes. I mean, this is not, this is, it should be uncontroversial. Of the two, one of them is a military power. One of them has the backing of the superpower. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, I I just, I I don't, and and this idea, this, this is, again, they want to push everybody in Rafa who isn't dead into the Sinai desert. Yeah. Make them Egypt's problem. That's what they want to do. They stated that was their goal. Mm-hmm. It is their stated goal. And so people who are saying that this is not at least ethnic cleansing are fooling themselves. And when you're yeah. shooting on people who are waiting on an aid convoy, this isn't the first time this has happened. Israel has no. shot at crowds waiting on aid, on aid convoys before. Yeah. Well, remember the journalist? I, I, I feel bad for not remembering her name. Um, oh, there's so many names. But yes, I do know the story you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So this is... Not only that. Not only that. Not only is that a hallmark of genocidal activity. Not only is all the, are all the comments coming from Ben Gavir and Netanyahu and the Knesset and all these people. Not only are all those comments patently genocidal. But also, the Ben Gavir saying, we can't keep bringing in aid, we can't keep bringing in aid. You have to think about the downstream effects of what he's saying. Gaza is already in a state of famine. People are grinding up animal feed to try and feed infants with. Yeah. Because everyone's so dehydrated, they can't make breast milk. This is... This, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go for it. I was just going to say that that's also the thing that also sometimes gets underreported, right? Because you can just see the numbers, but then you you don't really, some people don't really like calculate the second order, third order, fourth order effects of these types of war campaigns, which is that you have extreme uh, malnourishment, right? Uh, Dysentery, you know, all these things that happen in just like a complete, obviously, economic breakdown. Oh, of yeah. course, you know, yeah. to say the least. Um, uh, well, where, it also it also doesn't help when Israel's bombing the bakeries, right? So yeah. nobody gets so, bread, not just because there's no bread coming in through the aid convoy, but what little bread they could possibly make, they can't make anymore because Israel bombed the oven. Even in the best case scenario, if these people are able to survive from these conditions, they're going to live much worse lives. Um, in that area if they can't get out because of what Israel did, you know. And that's already a crime, even if we completely ignore the actual direct deaths from the bombing. Exactly. And, they, and it's the point. Ben Gavir knows. Ben Gavir right. knows that the only thing keeping these people alive is the aid convoys. Right. Also, you know, if you make the situation, beyond just, like, directly killing people, if you make the overall scenario, like situation in your proximity bad enough, people will just want to leave. You know, right? And, yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what they want. They want they want the Palestinians to run into the Sinai to try and survive. Yeah, yeah, that's what they want. That is an ethnic cleansing. That is at at minimum. That's what that is. 
I mean, the the I, I keep referring back to it, but Azerbaijan just did the exact same thing right before October 7th. Azerbaijan did the same thing in Nagorno-Karabakh to the Armenians. And everyone said, it's ethnic cleansing, it's ethnic cleansing. The Armenians are on this fucking mm-hmm. death march out of Azerbaijan, out of Nagorno-Karabakh. They, they, can't, they, they, they can't be there anymore. It's become so inhospitable mm-hmm. because of the Azerbaijanis. It's an ethnic cleansing. That's what everyone said. But you see the same thing happening in Gaza. And, mm-hmm. oh, well, the fucking State Department fucking spokes holes can't but stand there and say, oh, well, you know, Israel has the right to uh, retaliate against Hamas. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's been going on. Um, the, 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 I, I, I know people are sick of hearing about Israel. I, I'm sorry. I, I. We're all paying for this. I mean, it's, yeah, it, yeah, and like, uh, you know, I, I don't like, like, if you just don't want to hear it, uh, you know, skip ahead, right? In That's the okay. It's okay. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's something, like, if there are things worth talking about, I think this is, right? Uh. Honestly, it was affecting to see the last post from Aaron Bush now was when he posted the link to the live to the to the live feed, and he said, "If you've mm-hmm. ever wondered what you would do during slavery, if you've ever wondered wondered what you would do if your country was committing a genocide, mm-hmm. you're doing it right now." Yeah, and he's right. Yeah, and and so that's that's why I keep talking about it. That's why I keep bringing it up. Every time there's every time there are substantial enough updates to bring it up, I bring it up because there's there's um it, it we're all paying for this. We're all paying yeah. for this. We're being stolen from to pay for this. Not yep. roads or schools. <laughs> right. This is Actually, this is your tax act- money at work. The taxpayers, that's a taxpayer-owned bomb, actually. Uh, yeah. The, the net taxpayers own those bombs. Yeah, the net taxpayers are committing a genocide in Gaza. <laughs> Jesus. That's one of the most, that is one of the most, th- that is one of the things that I am, I am just so, I get, at this point, I get livid when I hear what about the roads. Right, right. Yeah, it's like, uh, what about the bombs, actually? Yeah. <laughs> the, the ones that are dropping on a Palestinian child in 10 seconds. What about those? Yeah, what yeah. about those shells? Uh, those tank shells. How about that tank shell that the, is, that the IDF shot through the UN logo at UNRWA headquarters? But, but Dean, how would, where would we get the asphalt without the government? Yeah, who would build the fucking roads? Well... Yeah. Okay. How about the road? How about the road that Israel is clearing a two-kilometer-wide swath through the middle of the Gaza Strip? Did you hear about this? Israel's clearing a two-kilometer-wide swath through the middle of the Gaza Strip to build a road there. They're not building a fucking road. They say they're building a road. What they're building is a wall. They are not going to give up North Gaza. There will be no right of return to North Gaza. I've been saying this since this first happened, since they first dropped those leaflets telling everybody to go south. They are not going to give up North Gaza. North Gaza will be under occupation for the rest of fucking time. Yeah. 
that two kilometer wide strip that they are bulldozing through the middle of Gaza, that yeah. will be there forever. And on one side yeah. of it, maybe there will be Gazans. On the other will be the IDF. People are just kind of starting to hook into this idea that, like, maybe Israel's not going to give up the North. Maybe Israel doesn't back all the way out after this. Of course they don't. Of course they don't. Why would they? I mean, there's a historical precedent for them not, uh, you know, for them claiming land after conflict. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that is not the, the the. They say they're building a road there. I would be shocked if it's just a road. I think they're going to put up a wall, too. And that's if they give up the South. Because what I do think they're going to do, I think they're going to test. I think they're going to see if they can get away with taking all of it after they do the ground invasion in Rafa. Depending on how bad the blowback is from that, the political, the, 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 the geopolitical blowback from that, Depending upon how bad that is, they might not keep South Gaza. I think South Gaza is going to be their concession. If the if the world says they've gone too far, then they'll say, "Okay, then we won't keep South Gaza. They can have that back." There's your right of return. Right. Yeah. I think that's their plan. Right. It's like you. you it's like you know, classic bargaining. Right. You you take more. And then you scale back a little, but you're still gaining on net, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Classic haggling. Yeah. Yeah. You're still getting what you Yeah. 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 I, I think that's the thing. And I've seen, again, I, I've seen a few people who are just kind of hooking into this idea. Well, maybe not just. They've been saying it for a few weeks now. But, but <laughs> as soon as I saw that leaflet telling them where to go, I was like, oh, no, they're taking North Gaza. They want it. Yeah. They yeah. want it. It's theirs now. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the only thing that would keep that from happening would be significant international pressure. Specifically from yeah. Joe fucking Biden. He's the only one who could do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sucks. It sucks. But the, uh, the, 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 the prospect of there not being any more dead Palestinians is on Joe Biden's desk. He could just do it. Mm-hmm. He could just call up and say, you know, in the words of who was it, Bill Clinton? Who's the fucking superpower? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he could just call up and this would be over. Yeah. But he's not. He's not. And again, it's our our money going to it. All of our money going to it. Everybody's, everybody is, is part of this. And it's sickening. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um. In any case, speaking of net taxpayers owning things, <laughs> <laughs> you had a uh, you did a space. Well, it was a, it was a space that I I believe, if I have this correct, it's hosted by Monarcho Hopian. Yes, Monarcho Hopian uh, hosted a space with you and and a few others. Um, this was, I believe, as a response to Biblical Anarchy's stream that he did with Dave Dave Smith. Dave Smith, yeah. um, about border stuff. And, uh, okay, so, so Dave Smith talked about you in particular, did he not? On that yeah, Biblical he, he Anarchy re- video? Yeah, he referenced me in a couple of my arguments that I've made in, in regards to why I'm open borders. And, you know, um, 
I went in knowing my positions were going to get strawmanned, uh, so it wasn't a big shock to me when it happened. Um, but I did want to clarify a few things uh, from like what he said my argument was to what it actually is. Um, okay. Um, so um, one of the things, so when we were talking about, when they were talking about um, um, like title transfer theory, right? And Dave was making the point that because um, I made the point that, okay, let's say that you have this thief, and let's say he doesn't have any money, and the thief steals, like, money from me, and he goes and buys a bike from you, Dean, with the money, right? Um, and my position is, the bike doesn't belong to me because my money was used to purchase it. I am owed the money. The bike is owed back to you. And the reason for this is, and, and this is what Dave disputed, Dave thought the bike would be owned by me. Um, um, in this analogy, anyway, um, the reason that's not the case under a libertarian transfer theory, and this is going to seem like a technicality, but technicalities can change the answer. You know, it's like yes. if you get one wrong thing in math, right? The conclusion's wrong. You know, even if it was like you know, there's you have like twenty different variables. If you just got one wrong, you're going to come to the wrong conclusion, right? Um, the reason why the bike would be owned still by you is because when when the thief made the purchase one he did not have the right to transfer the funds in the first place so there's no there you know he the difference the funds were mine i gave him no permission to make that title transfer so that's the first part the second part is the title transfer is fraudulent because obviously he didn't have the right to use that money and because you thought you would be the owner and that's why you train the owner of the cash uh, in re- in return for the bike, but you aren't. It was a deception. Yes. Um, and because of that, no title gets transferred, right? Yes. No title is transferred. It is a sleight of hand. Um, nothing. No title actually transferred. It was not a real transaction. And that's why the money is owed back to me, and so, you still have the bike. Let's set a groundwork point, actually, about this, because I think there's a lot of people who don't understand the mechanics of this. So Okay. In Rothbardian libertarian title theory, okay? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, is very similar to the Lockean title theory that informs the, uh, the common law system of law that we have based on the British system. Like, the, the, it's very similar. It's not quite the same. There are yeah. differences, and there are things that are in uh, sort of common title law that are not... Uh, that would not be allowable under Rothbardian title theory, but they are incredibly similar. So, yeah. Rothbardian, ti- Rothbardian, Rothbardian title theory, title arises, okay, from homesteading. And homesteading, and I saw someone yes. on Twitter make a good point, actually, that homesteading is sort of, is in the process of being really, really well defined, because... Mm-hmm. Earlier in sort of the development of this, you remember these theories were only developed in like the 70s and 80s, right? These aren't old. These are, ideas aren't, they're based on older ideas, but they themselves have not been, had been, exactly, they haven't had that much time to be refined. And so this idea of homesteading, the way that I, that I like to describe it, and it's because I've seen you describe it this way and I've seen a few others do this, is that you incorporate it into your ongoing projects. Yeah, okay. I, I completely like jacked that from Roderick Long. That is like uh, that's where I first heard him that description, and that's sort of like the one I've used for a long time. It, I, I think it encapsulates uh, it in the best way. I think it's the best description because it doesn't make any assumptions. Um, right. it doesn't make any assumptions about what those projects are. 
doesn't make any assumptions about the goodness or badness of your goals. You are incorporating it into your projects, whatever those may be, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's how you homestead a thing, right? That yes. gives rise to title. A, a previously yes. unowned thing, homesteaded, incorporated into it your has projects. To be, it has to be physical incorporation. It can't just be like you know, I'm you know to avoid like IP uh, justification. Oh, it, yeah, it can't yeah. be just some mental form. It has to be a physical. Um, Ideas don't um, count. Right. Yes. So so that's how you that's how you come to own. All right. At, at base. Let's say right. that you have an item that already title has arisen to this item because someone has incorporated it into their into their projects. Okay, that person has legitimate title. They are the owner of that thing. Yes, legitimate title. Okay, title that title is only transferable if it is legitimate. Yes, and only if the legitimate title holder transfers it or allows another person by proxy to transfer it. Yes. Those are the only two ways it can justly be there transferred. Are, so there are two, there actually there's two categories for what makes it, like, makes title transferable and you need both. Um, you yeah. need legitimacy of title, 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 title holdership or ownership, and you yep. need alienability. Yes, alienability is a big one. Yes. Alienability is a side thing right now. It's not really relevant here, but it has to do with why you can't sell yourself into slavery. So you need <laughs> you need um you need legitimacy of title and alienability. Once those two things are have ha, exist in a person's title to an object or to a piece of land or whatever it is, once those exist in that person's title, they are free to transfer title or as you said by proxy, title title can be transferred um to mm-hmm. another another person and yeah. then that person's title is legitimate and alienable just as it was for the initial seller. And you can apply conditions. You can say, I will only transfer title to, to you for this thing. If you don't paint it pink, you know, it's a, it's a house maybe. Right. Yeah. Or, or if you do paint it pink, it reverted. The title will revert back to me. You can make a contract like that. Yes, exactly. Right. You can, you, there's all kinds of things you can do with contract, but at that very, at the very bottom, transferability is based on the legitimacy of title and alienability. All we care about for this yep. conversation is legitimacy. If I steal yep. from you mm-hmm. and I trade what I stole from you to someone else, I did not have legitimate title Correct. to what I stole from you. Therefore, my pretending to give title to that third party for whatever I'm bartering with them for my pretending to give title to them to your property is fraud. Yeah, it's fraud. It, I don't yeah, have the title exactly. to give. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot of people um, don't understand this. And I think a lot of people get confused by money. They think, well, because money has yeah. value, it's fungible. No, 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 no. You own the note. You own the you note. Know, I, this is, that part in particular, I think, is highly controversial. Because I don't think liber- most libertarians think that way. That's how Rothbard thought. <laughs> uh, well, I, so in terms of like owning the specific note as opposed to owning the value, uh, there are a lot of really radical implications for that. And no, no, I'm, here's the so thing. I, I think you own the lot. note. I would think you would take mm-hmm. a different note. 
And oh no, so I agree. Yeah, in, in, in terms of practicality, yes. Yeah. Yes. But in yeah, terms you would you would strict... assent to its being replaced with a different note, and I think everybody would assent right. to that. But oh, you yeah, are assenting to a replacement because you actually own the note that was stolen. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's absolutely correct. Um, and in terms, and and you know, you because if my, some libertarian might might, and I don't want to derail it, but some libertarian might come across this and think, oh, well, but but, um, you know, we we own the value of our labor. It's like, well, no, you don't. You don't own value. Value is not own an ownable thing. Right. <laughs> you can't own value. It, like like if I paint, like if if um, you know if if there's no contract telling me I can't paint my house pink, and I paint my house like uh you know a bunch of like colors people consider you know undesirable or something Garish. like that and i end up drop it yeah and i end up dropping the value of everyone's house uh, on the block i have not robbed you despite me despite my actions causing a drop in property value i have right. not robbed you in any way so value is not something that is ownable um so that's what i'd say um but, but yeah no as you as you were explaining that yeah that's exactly why i'm glad you went into detail there um but yeah that's exactly why that the process is fraudulent is because only the title holder or their proxy can legitimately transfer the title so it's fraud in both directions. Um, yes, the, the, the thief the thief commits a theft against the person they stole from and a fraud yeah. against the person they're buying yeah. from. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a theft in both directions, I should say. But yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so, the, with the, so that's why no title is actually transferred because the, the what you the thief had no right to transfer the title and if he had no right to transfer the title then the the whole quote unquote transaction is not a transaction because you only gave the bike in the hypothetical because you thought the money would be yours in response mm-hmm. it's not the so, only way so the, the only yeah. way to make it right the only way to set mm-hmm. things right and get title get get the property back into the title holders would be, in the most strict sense, for you to get the notes that were stolen from you, the money, mm-hmm. the, the exact money, those serial numbers, and for, the, for me to get my bike back. That yes. would be the only way for us to be square in the strictest sense. If my bike has dropped in value because the thief did something to it, he owes me that value as well. But, but that, that's just because of what it was when he stole it, right? He's going to um, owe me that because I, uh, it's not the same product. It's not the same thing that was stolen. It's different now. On the, t- on the topic of... Um, but but I, I will um, say this, by the way. I, 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 meant, mm-hmm. I said that to clarify this. That is not to say that you and me wouldn't get together and just agree that, okay, you take bike from thief and I'll keep the right. money. And if you're cool with that, I'm cool. And then we legitimize the transfer that the thief basically, (laughs) the thief was basically a middleman now and we cut him out and we legitimize that transfer. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, and I also, I wanted to, to add is that some people will say, well, but see, you know, the reason why the taxpayers, uh, are the owners of public property is because when a thief steals from you and they can't return uh, you know the the money, or they can't return exactly what they they stole from you. We can use like properties, like sort of a collateral, right? We can say that uh, well, the thief's property can be seized um, in place of 
the uh, the money that was stolen. And regardless of any arguments of whether that is justified under libertarian theory or not, I'm not going to get into. I just want to point out that it is completely disanalogous to the analogy. The yes. reason why is because the state owns nothing. They own diddly squat. Okay, they have no other title that can replace the money they stole from you in exchange. If the only way for you to get any sort of restitution for the fact that you were stolen from was to take it out of the thief's IRA, okay? If that was the only, and his IRA he owns, that's his money. He worked for that. Yeah. If that's the only way for you to get restitution, you as the person who was stolen from can assent to that. Sure. Mm -hmm. And you probably would. But... That's because the thief owns the IRA. It's his IRA. He can transfer title yes. to you. Right. However, right. It, uh, to your point, the state doesn't fucking own anything. Everything they own is stolen. They, ha- they have yeah. no legitimate title to transfer to their victims. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and a lot of closed border libertarians will talk about this, and they sometimes they'll say, well, the state's land is stolen. And that's partially true, right? We can all look at instances of eminent domain. We can all, you know, things like that. Yeah, there is a lot of land the state has that is stolen from a person who wasn't, who we can objectively ascertain was an owner, was a legitimate owner prior to the state stealing their yes. land. That is absolutely true. That does not mean, and also, but the other uh, the other scenario is that they they have land that they've just merely forestalled, right? They've yes. merely forestalled people. Um, you know, we can t- take like national parks or the border territory, things like that, that are o- almost relatively completely untouched, um, and that they do not allow people to just like set up camp there. Um, now, the <laughs> uh, in both these instances, you'll notice something, right? In the instance that it's just forestalled and that there's no legitimate title at all or prior, um, within reason at least, um, then in that instance, the state can't legitimately transfer that title to the to the uh, taxpayer. Even if, even now, a lot of libertarians will say, "But yeah, but it would make you know it would sort of make up for the restitution." It's like, okay, yes, that is a consequentialist argument. The truth of the matter is, there's no legitimate title, and it cannot be justly transferred if it does not have title. It's not a it's not a, a transferable thing in libertarianism if it's not homesteaded, like un, untamed nature. Is not a is not a transferable thing at all. Yes. So it's just a non-starter. No title has arisen uh-huh. in it. And and here's the other thing too. This is this is something I want to be very clear about. You don't have to agree with Rothbardian title theory. Yeah, you could reject it. You can absolutely wrong, reject it. Yes, you're incorrect, but you can you can freely reject it. It's totally fine. You get to do that. that. But you don't also call yourself a Rothbardian libertarian at the same time. Yes. Because yes. you're rejecting the basis of property theory under Rothbardian libertarianism. Yeah, absolutely. So it, under the scenario, now notice uh, there's, there's something really interesting going on here. So once we've established that, okay, the, you know, it, it would be, we can't actually transfer the title to the taxpayers to this land that was not homesteaded, right? I, I'm ignoring like public, I'm ignoring like parks or uh, schools or things like that, right? For this, just to just to separate these things. Uh, but so, like national parks, um, um, you know, um, the border territory, much of the border territory, completely just forestalled land by the state. Okay. 
So there's no title there. Can't be transferred to the taxpayer. Okay. Now, what about the other things? What about the land the state has stolen from people? Well, why would the taxpayers have a right over land that was stolen from someone else? Like, why? <laughs> you know, if it's it was like, actually it, stolen, yeah. it's like the eminent domain uh, case. It's like, what what right did the taxpayers have? Over, think about it. Think uh, about it in these terms. OK, this is a this, yeah. this is an all right illustration for it. I think it's not perfect, but the thief steals your money and then he dies. Mm-hmm. Does do his right. heirs get your money? Right. He never held legitimate title to your money. It was yours. The entire time, it was right. yours. Right. That's just an illustration of, of, of the point I think you're making here, which is that you can't yeah. just transfer to a third-party title that's not held legitimately. Yeah, so even, so even in either case, we can't transfer that title to, like, forestalled, unhomesteaded land to the taxpayer. Okay, I think we've established that fairly well here. But under what basis uh, do you have a right for the taxpayers to claim ownership of the of land that was taken by like eminent domain or something? That's that was another person's property. In fact, if the taxpayers do try to implement norms over that property that are not in a one to one alignment with the legitimate dispossessed property owner, then they are aggressors. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yes. So the tax. So in either case, the taxpayers cannot have legitimate title uh, to either the state claimed land or the state ceased land. Neither of those uh, have a legitimate title. None of the taxpayers have a legitimate title to that, even though their money was used. Like if, like you know, if the state stole my property. And then they pay. They use taxpayer money to paint my house or something like that. Um, you know, they, they didn't tear it down. They just wanted it to be a different color or something ridiculous. Well, do the taxpayers own my house now? Uh, or what if it was like a ship of Theseus thing, right? Where like they took every single board out of my house and, repl- and slowly replaced it over time with an identical board using taxpayer money. Do the taxpayers now own my house? <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's just really ridiculous. Uh, let me, let me. Um, I want to ask you a question though, because I feel like it wasn't yeah. it, the 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 sort of groundwork. People are going to ask you this if they hear this, and, and they, okay, they yeah, want to argue with you. Okay. Um. So, the idea of the state forestalling the homesteading of free people. Okay. Yeah. The. I can see the argument that somebody would make where they say, okay, fine, for for land that was captured by eminent domain, or let's say it was taken from some rancher on the border and used as border, right? Like that, yeah. like that, that, okay, that goes back to the rancher, fine. Yeah. But what about that land that was unowned that the state took and incorporated into its project of having a border? Yeah. Um, Why is that so- not legitimately transferable to the taxpayer? Uh, because homesteading, it, you cannot homestead something by the act of exclusion. And there's a really interesting reason for this. Under traditional libertarian theory, you gain the right to, you, to exclude people from something you have homesteaded. 
Now, there is a temporal component to that. One, there's an order, a sequence here, right, that is very important. You gain the right to exclude people once you have homesteaded something. This logically implies you can you do not have the right to ho- to exclude people prior to homesteading that. So merely for the act of forestalling is just the act of excluding people from something that has not been homesteaded. So forestalling cannot be an act of homesteading in itself by by definition. So I can't. This, by the way, is the is the the answer to the problem of fencing in. You can't. Yeah. Go to a you can't go to a piece of unclaimed land and stand there and say no one is allowed here. Right. Except by except those that I say are. Exactly. Yes. It's yeah. mine now. Yep. I'm not yeah. where are you are you actively using it for anything else? No. Yep. <laughs> no, it's just mine now. Yep. Yeah, you can't do that. So it doesn't work. You're not actually that- homesteading. Right, exactly. So in that case, right, let, let, let's talk about the thief stealing my money to buy the bike analogy again. Let's say that the thief has um, behind his house, he has a, a long plot of land that he has never once homesteaded. It's just it's unowned. No one owns it. It's just there. Right. Just like nat- just nature um, behind his house. Now. Let's say he uses the money he stole from me. Maybe he, you know, he won't use the money partially to buy a bike. But let's say he also incorporates that money to, like, um, you know, purchase like um, certain supplies to help him, aid to aid him in excluding people from that from that land behind his house. Let's say he buys, you know, some weapons. Let's say, or he put, or he has just, you know, fencing materials. Offensive materials, or he hires someone. Let's say uh, hires other people to guard that area and not let anyone else onto it and shoot them if they try. Um, yeah, even though my money was paying for that to happen, that's not my land because it doesn't have title. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 no title can be transferred when there is no title in the first place. No legitimate title be- interest has risen. Right. Right. That is just an act of aggression. Forestalling is an act of aggression. And, you know, I, I, I did want to point this out because a lot of times a libertarian libertarians will say something and it, it just becomes like it, it just like escapes and just becomes a common thing. And I think a lot of libertarians sometimes don't question the saying and it can get them in trouble. Like some libertarians will say, well, there's no right to movement. Right. OK. Um, and what the, what they're trying to say there is that, well, you don't have a right to just move where, anywhere you want. But that's like saying I don't have the right to use drugs because I don't I can't like stick you with heroin right now or something, you know, Um, no libertarian who says people have a right to movement are saying that they have a right to trespass. Right. In the same way, if I said it's just a heuristic, if I said, uh, Dean, I have the right to swing my arms, that does not imply I have the right to swing my arms into your face. right? Right. Yes, just that's just implicit. It's Uh, the difference. It's the difference between just like actually you're you're. Your, your, uh, your formulation that you kind of touched on there is the better way to say that. It's like you, you do have an absolute right to move yourself, right, without trespassing yeah. on private yes. property owned by other people. Like that's yeah. that's the that's the 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 baseline, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, there's it, it's something interesting here. Well, some people will say. Some people will abuse libertarian language and say, you do not have the right to move on land you do not own. And that's 
not always the case. That's not the case at all. There's a a clear example of where you actually, if you couldn't do that, we would not have a right to homestead in the first place. Yeah, Um, that's that's nonsense, because unowned land, you absolutely have a right to to go move upon. Absolutely. There's no question about that. If If someone forestalls you from moving across or homesteading unowned land, that is an act of aggression. That is absolutely an act of aggression. And on top of that, um, the whole... And you also, you have a right to move on to land you've been invited in. Now, that's another thing, right? I was about to say, I was about to say, it's interesting, too. You have a place like a parking lot in front of a Walmart, right? That parking Mm -hmm. lot is there for people who are shopping at Walmart to come park in. If you are an invitee of Walmart, that is to say, Mm -hmm. you're someone who's going into Walmart to shop, you have the right to park there. Walmart told you you could. That's why it's there. Also, it's interesting because, you know, uh, I, I, we've discussed, like, hot, the idea behind invitation in, like, a hopping sense versus, like, a general sense in the past. Now, I want to clarify. Walmart to... can take that right. They can ask you to leave. But yes, you're doing nothing wrong by being there in the first place. Right. Yes, because you were initially invited. Yes. Yes. But I do want to point out that for libertarians who say, well, these immigrants haven't been invited. It's like, are you sure you want to bank on that claim? Like, are you really sure you want to double down on that? Uh, because, you know, an argument could be made. Dean. I'm going to throw this out at you. You know, if someone puts up a help wanted sign and they don't qualify anything else, that seems like an open invitation, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Try. I would say if yeah. somebody goes well, over to the Home work? Depot and, and parks yeah. in front of a crowd of Mexicans... And honks the horn and says, I need three guys. That's an open invitation uh-huh. to any three guys standing in front of that Home Depot. Or what about if, you know, and again, obviously as libertarians, we believe you can rescind the right at any time for any reason on, onto your property um, or for access to your property. But but I, what about like open, an open sign in, in a store <laughs> or something? True, yeah. It's like an open invitation, right? It seems like that's, a, that's an invitation for anyone to come into the store. There's a there's and, an interesting thing. We just saw it today. I want to give a perfect illustration of the point you're making. Yeah. There is an, yeah. A, an apartment complex here, okay? And uh-huh. this apartment complex, all across the front of it, all right, it has flags flying. And these flags yeah. are from places like Colombia, Honduras, Argentina. <laughs> uh-huh. All the flags in front of this apartment complex. Do you know what that apartment complex is communicating? We don't check papers. Right. And, you know, obviously it's illegal to hire an illegal immigrant, right? Um, in, in mo- at least I believe in most jurisdictions. But we still know they do it. Yes, you know? absolutely. So. Well, the guy goes out in front of the Home Depot and he honks. He says, I need three guys. That's three illegal dudes jumping yeah. in the back of his truck. Right, right. But he's hiring uh, them. So I mean, the it's idea. the same. And, and just like just like with that apartment complex, uh, uh, supposedly, right, they are inviting anyone yeah. to come in yes, that is, and apply an for invitation. an apartment. Yeah, it's an open invitation. You know, they could they could put restrictions later on, but at least it, 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 qua that invitation, that's open. Yeah. Well, they can say, look, you don't have the money for an apartment here. Leave. They can say that, yeah, but you're yeah, invited to at least come in and apply. Right. And also, I, I do want to point out, there, there's something interesting, right, where they'll, they'll say that, well, um, 
think of this, right? Now, this might get me in trouble within some libertarian circles, but I'm going to make the argument anyway. <laughs> um, they'll say, <laughs> okay, giggle. But- You're such a fucking troublemaker, dude. Um, people will say that okay well but yeah they they don't have the if we just assume like taxpayer property right like roads and stuff like that um if we assume that the taxpayers know they'll say well yeah maybe the store is inviting them but they're not you know they would have to cross the public property roads the the taxpayers roads in order to get to that store Mm -hmm. um I've made an argument in the past, and, you know, I, I if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, this is, seems correct to me, at least, is that, one, you can do what you want with your property as long as you do not aggress with it, right? So that's a very standard libertarian claim. I should be allowed to own a tank, um, that doesn't mean I can shell your house. Right. Now, I, I think one act of aggression um, could be uh, enclosure, and what I mean by this is, let's say... Uh, let's say your wall, your body is your private property under libertarian standards. Let's say someone's just walking through a forest, right? And then a group of ten men encircle someone with their bodies, um, and don't allow them to pass. Uh, maybe unless they give them like thousands of dollars or something like that, you know? Sure. Um, for some extortionary reason or, me, or whatever it is. Yeah, it seems to me that those people are aggressing. They're in. They're in. They are. Act, they are. F- in some sense, forestalling a person from traveling in yes. and of the act of, and my argument is, I believe this generates an easement of, now, now sometimes easements can be a positive, There, there's a, a claim that easements are essentially a positive law creation, and I think many, you can make the case that many easements are just a positive law creation. Um, but, but, I think that in libertarianism, there is uh, some argument to be made of a defensive easement from people who use their property in aggressive ways, which I would believe uh, imprisoning them in a certain way could be uh, a mm-hmm. case of a justified easement to cross. Well, you have Not a similar like use and camp, but yes. to cross. You have uh, a similar, there is a similar easement by necessity that's created at the common law, whereby mm-hmm. if you own a piece of property, and the only way, not the easiest way, but the only right. way that you can get to the road, right, that, 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 is, that is closest to your property, you know what I mean? The road that you need to get to to mm-hmm. get places. If the only way to get there is by crossing someone else's property, you can do that along the most reasonable path so long as you do not damage anything other than that reasonable path that you're going to drive over. And as so long as they're not, you know, uh, doing things like, you know, you can't drive over their field, right? But off to the mm-hmm. side of their field, you can. Uh, that, that, that easement by necessity gets created at the common law because you can't yeah. use your property without access. And let me throw, uh, you know, this isn't a, a knockdown drag out argument to prove that I'm right here. I'm correct in my analysis here, but I can throw out a reductio ad absurdum that kind of shows what would be the case if it, this wasn't true. Right now, let's imagine you're like um, that uh, you're just like walking through the forest um, and someone is able to place a big cage around you. They don't touch your body, but they, they can place the cage around you. Right. Yes. Um, 
it would seem to say if if the easement wasn't justified, it would seem to say that the person even trying to bust out would be damaging the other person's property, and they wouldn't have a right to do that. Do you see where where, yes. where, where right. that makes sense? Where it's like if if my argument about the easement wasn't correct, and that the person uh, you don't ever have a right to you know travel through another person's property under any circumstances, uh, then it seems that someone could technically trap someone in a cage and not allow them as long as they didn't touch their private property, meaning their body. Um, then it seems yes. that they could just do that, which seems absurd to me. Uh, but yeah, no, that um, is, that is absurd. I think, I think people's argument would be, well, then the Lockean proviso is the, is the absurd thing, right? Then, then the sort of the basis of home, of, of homesteading idea uh, as an idea is the ridiculous thing. I don't think that's true. Right. I think I think utilizing I think it's it's very much like um well it's, it's like anything else you can property in an aggressive way. Yeah, you can use property point. aggressively and I think that's all that's being done there. Yes. That that's my argument. And again, maybe I'm wrong, but that's that seems obvious to me. Um It is it so is I, relatively I obvious. That, it's also I mean, you have you have a number of there are a number of arguments that support it. Not not only not only is it um not only is there the sort of the easement by necessity, right? And this is something, by the way, <sighs> many, many people who disagree with us on border agree with the idea that easements get created as a result of necessity. Um, right. Can yeah, sell us one of point. them. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this isn't a ridiculous idea in libertarian theory. But mm-hmm. this, 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 uh, the, the, and actually, I do like Kinsella's argument that the state that the state forestalling people from using property or, you know, building a road or whatever it is with stolen property or whatever creates an easement for the public to use it. I, I think that's mm-hmm. true. Obviously yeah. so. Um, but it's an easement for use. It's not ownership. Anyway. Um, so in any case, what was I even getting at? Oh, the, uh, the, the, the it, this is not an, an idea that is insane at all. This is not an idea. That, it's an idea that's based in Lockean property theory. That's where the common law came up with the idea of the easement by necessity. Right. So, I'm sorry, just to say that you're, you're right. I, no, I don't no, think I, there's I, any I, reasonable yeah. argument against it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, so that's just to say that I think, you know, even if I granted you that the um, taxpayers could own the, uh, the public property, I still don't think that means that the uh, there would be no way for an immigrant to get to an invited destination uh, justly. Right. Uh, like, like for example, as I said, um, there are many times where an immigrant uh, or like many places that say just say open. It, it, they don't say open only to United States citizens <laughs> underneath. It just says open. You know, uh, if you're in the area, it's open to you. You know. But, and so, it's not even I think some um, people would say, well, that's implied. It's not implied. And it's specifically no. not implied in the case of that apartment complex that has all the flags of all the South American countries out front. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a really good case, actually, that immigrants are invited all the time, uh, actually, <laughs> by United States citizens, by the fact that people make general open invitations to their businesses all the time. Yes, or uh, for hiring, no, for, or, for or for whatever hiring. it may be. Yeah. Right, of course. 
Yeah. If you put a for so, sale sign out front, are you going to say for sale only to legal American citizens or the first guy that shows up with a stack of cash for the asking price, you're going to sell it to them? Right. And if they if they do want to make that, uh, they can, right? You 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 can exclude people if, for only American citizens. That's your right to do. Uh, but they're currently not doing that. Uh, you know, and many wouldn't, uh, and many don't. Many many would. Right. <laughs> I mean, we know this because we know how many uh, illegal immigrants are out there picking strawberries. Many don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, you know, because I, I, we've covered this a lot, but I, I sometimes I realize that, oh, I didn't really cover this argument or this argument. Uh, well, and, we and it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help that people can't stop misrepresenting the position. Right. <laughs> because yeah. it's like every time you misrepresent the position, you, 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 you force someone into a position where it's like, I, I have to fucking clarify because you are lying about me. You know and what I mean? There's also... Right. Um, there's also, um, you know, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying that that would qualify as immigrants being invited from a Hoppian position, because Hoppe has many more stipulations on what justifies a person being invited, such as li- he, he proposes like liability insurance. To, yeah, and well, the well, and, yeah there's all kinds of duties that the inviter has that's yeah. based on. Yes, according to, yeah, right, right. Um, but also, you know, another thing with the net taxpayer theory, because this is, uh, you know, because like oftentimes net taxpayer theory specifically promoted by like Dave Smith, Dave, Dave does it implicitly. Um, he I don't think he's uh, like categorically named it net taxpayer theory or because he doesn't words. know the name of it. Well, yeah, maybe, but I, I, he I'm makes not the argument. Like, I'm, I'm not I am not I, I do not feel as if giving Dave the benefit of the doubt on this particular point is necessary because he practically said it himself. He keeps making the net taxpayer theory argument, and when somebody calls it next ta- net taxpayer theory, he goes, I don't know what that is. Well, it's because you don't right. know what it's called, even though, Dave. Even though he, but yeah, even though he's read Hoppe, you know, and he know, Hoppe's whole thing, Hoppe's explicit, Hoppe doesn't say explicitly net taxpayer theory because he doesn't call his thing the theory, but but he, he specifically calls, talks about net taxpayers. Yes! So when I say net taxpayer theory, it shouldn't take Dave too much to get that what it's I'm talking about. It's not a about. leap. It's not a leap to understand. It's like, oh, you're talking about the argument I'm making. Okay. Especially when you talk about how Hoppe is one of your, like, uh, um, ideological like uh, north stars as far as immigration on the topic, right? Yeah. You should you should know what I mean when I Which say that. Which is interesting in um, itself because this is this is another question that I have, and mm-hmm. I am not I am not Hoppe guy. I'm I'm I, I appreciate a lot of a lot of what I have read of Hoppe, but I I am no I am by no means Hoppe guy. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So do do you know? Does Hoppe agree with the baseline Rothbardian title theory? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, in, in most other situations, yes. Okay, and this is an issue that I have with Rothbard too. And, and, and this mm-hmm. is that all these guys that these, these libertarians are saying, well, these are the people that I think are right all the time, and this is why, and yada yada. All of Which these Rothbard guys... Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You, I asked you, um, I asked you which essay it was from, but you went and you gave me a pin site to the quote. Um, this is from, this is a, the, a Rothbard quote from, um, what to do until privatization comes. And the, 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 uh, the quote goes, this is, this is, uh, to add context, this is Rothbard talking about 
uh, being closed borders. Okay, this is in this is nineties Rothbard. Well, basically. specifically, this is him talking about like how private property or how public property should be treated, uh, which which indicates closed borders. But he doesn't specifically yes. close borders. But yes, I'm his, sorry, I wanted to just no. You're absolutely right. Thank you for that. Um, his his quote is as follows: Hence, libertarians who might be sound in the remote reaches of high theory are so devoid of common sense and out of touch with the concerns of real people that blah, 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 blah. Okay. The you first line there. Base. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. I do have one point. I'll, I'll, the first yes, yes, line sorry, there. Libertarians who might be sound in the remote reaches of high theory. You mean right. Libertarians who might be right. <laughs> yeah. This is my problem with people who keep pointing to Hoppe and Rothbard as like, oh, these guys are the perfect, consistent, you know excellent, godly people who we follow as, as our, as you said, ideological North Stars, but they don't even follow themselves as ideological North Stars. Rothbard says when yeah. he's talking about it, people who, are, who could be right disagree with me. Well, yeah. Right. It's because we're right. And, and this quote could be used to justify anything that the, the common people are scared of. Like, oh, well, yeah, libertarians might be sound in the ro- remote reaches of high theory in regards to drug legalization, but they're or so with Iran, maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You know, what's tragic. This is some people's favorite Rothbard article because they feel it gives them some type of rhetorical justification to be unprincipled. Yes, exactly. That, that Rothbard thinks common sense is more important than principles. Well, Rothbard thinks might think that Rothbard might have thought that, especially later on. But um, I don't have to agree. No, if Rothbard doesn't have to agree with himself, I don't have to agree with Rothbard either. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things that bugs me the most about this is they'll 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 talk about how consistent they are just because they agree with everything Rothbard ever said. Rothbard is, doesn't oh, agree with everything Rothbard ever said. Do you know how many Hoppians? In specific, I'm not, look, I, I don't, there's a lot of Hoppians um, who are not, who are really good on immigration. There's a breed now. of Hoppian, yeah. the Twitter Hoppian, the quote unquote Twitter Hoppian. Yes. Yes. Right. There's a type of Hoppian that is also like extremely like, um, they, you, they were attracted to Hoppe because Hoppe was right wing, not necessarily because he was, uh, you know, had the correct theory, in my yes. opinion. I think yes. that's why a lot of people that were attracted to him. Um, um, but. <laughs> And that's not to say you know, he's got bad theories necessarily. It's just that no, that's yeah, not yeah, no. they don't like him for that. Yes. Correct, <laughs> correct. I'm not saying Hop is wrong at all because that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but for some people, a lot of the people who treat Rothbard and Hoppe as gods uh, also are very anti-abortion. And again, I'm you, whatever the listener's opinion on this is. It, this isn't my point. I'm just saying that they they would disagree with Hoppe and Rothbard and abortion, but they think any other that it's wrong to disagree with them on any other position. Right. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. And I don't understand. I don't understand the position. First of all, these guys aren't like, okay, we have a bad habit. We hum- humans have a bad yes. habit of lionizing, especially intellectuals and especially dead ones. Like we can't sit down and, and read someone from, you know, like we can't sit down and read Kant and say, you know, I think Kant might be actually a little inconsistent right here. I think I disagree. Like, like you can't, you can't do that because, because these are, these people have theories named after them. These people came up with whole schools of thought. What do you oh. mean you think they might be wrong? Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I think and they're especially... wrong because they're people and they were thinking and I'm sitting here thinking and I think differently. Yeah, especially when I, I think people get into real defensive mode as well when it's a person they like who gets attacked by people who don't have good arguments, but they're just attacking a certain philosopher you like. And then that like creates like a, a habit of automatically going into defensive mode whenever they get criticized in the future. Yes. Um, even if the other people have really good arguments against them. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of a better argument against the Bordertarian position claiming that they're you know claiming rothbard's on their side and everything i can't think of a better argument against them than citing rothbard right exactly uh like if philosophers are allowed to change their minds on something that means they're also allowed to be wrong by the same token they so must be necessarily if they're, they're changing their minds they obviously yeah. thought they were wrong right so <laughs> yeah uh it's like i don't know how familiar you are with uh, uh wittgenstein but uh he's the classic example where like early wittgenstein and later wittgenstein hate each other uh, and <laughs> later wittgenstein like later wittgenstein just completely refutes his prior work uh, completely <laughs> um i can absolutely like, yeah, appreciate the- that kind of thing yes absolutely but then but it's, um, it becomes super ironic to me when when the the Everyone's citing Rothbard, citing Rothbard, and and the piece that everyone talks about Rothbard, you know what what is it? Privatization comes this piece that every that all these um, everyone that these Bordertarians are citing as 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 this seminal work on why they're right, and it says people the people who might be right disagree with me. Oh well, yeah, right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because you're wrong. Yeah, another um. <laughs> I did want to touch on one more argument uh, in terms of net taxpayer theory. Um, sure. Is this is, another? Is this another that another of the of the things that Dave Smith? Uh, yes, this will tie in. This will tie okay. into what, what Dave said. So, one of the things where, uh, like Dave will talk about, well, closed borders. It, it, it's more reasonable. More reasonable people think that closed borders is is mm. obviously correct. Right? Oh, sure. Um, and he'll, he'll also say, you know, many, in many, you know, Hoppians and, and, and Dave is talking about this. So it's just, it's just more re it, it's also just, he thinks it's correct, but he also thinks it's more reasonable that, uh, the taxpayers who've had their money funneled into the, you know, the, the public lands, quote unquote, have a right to use those public lands and restrict other people from accessing them. Now, uh, the problem with this, um, is net taxpayer theory. And, you know, I've used the child argument so many times I've been that to death with a dead horse. I'm, I'm, mov- I'm moving on for now from that. I'm, I'm, I'm using new yes. arguments. You have a whole, you have a whole sub stack on it. We talked about it on the last episode. Yeah. You're interested in the, in the, in the fertility restriction, uh, analogy example yeah. argument. It's on the last episode and it's in, in, yep. uh, at, uh, critical ACE theory. This is ACE's sub stack. It's, yep. it's on both. Yep. So, Another argument that I think is not touched upon. Which is, by the way, the greatest all. name for a fucking Substack. <laughs> thank you. Critical I, Ace Theory is hilarious. I, got, I, I feel so bad because I, I got that. For, I, I asked, Someone came up with that for me and I asked them to use it. I completely forgot their handle. And I, I don't know if they, they, they deleted their account or it got banned, but I, I feel so bad. Uh, but That's yeah, the problem that with Twitter handles. It's hard if, to you, Whoever that was, if you're, if you're listening, I thank you for helping, uh, for contributing to that. It's so good. Uh, but anyway... Um, 
with something that, you know, because obviously, you know, this is um, promoted as the reasonable option, right? We're not like those crazy open border libertarians. We're, we're reasonable. We think the taxpayers have a right to what they've funded, what, you know, their money is funded, right? That's on its face seems somewhat reasonable to an army, I'm sure. Um, what might, what is not reasonable, I think, to most people, would be the conclusion of that of the net taxpayer theory that I think most people don't talk about. So, Dean, obviously, the net taxpayer theory, right, is uh, obviously the net taxpayers have a yes. gain a public property right, a share of ownership in the public property. Mm-hmm. Okay, that seems pretty straightforward. First, you know, the first question actually that I have with regard to this, and this is something I've never asked yeah. a net a net taxpayer theorist, a person who agrees with this theory. I've I've never asked this question, and I should because I think it's kind of important. When you say this, do you mean cumulatively, or does this right only exist for the term for which you're a net taxpayer? Because a lot of people, they'll be net taxpayers one year, and then they won't be another year. So is this? I our- think they would. I think they would say cumulatively. Okay. Or maybe, or maybe at the time, but they lose rights if they become a net tax consumer. Um, okay. In some sense. All right. So uh, that's-, that's still rests on cumulative still. So I um. So if I, I, I think, let's say that I spend most of my life being a net tax consumer, and then finally the day before I die, I pay a tax bill that makes me a net taxpayer. Did I just get rights to that? No, I think I again I can't speak for them exactly, and I don't think I don't know if Hoppe has ever been asked this question, but I think that they would probably say it's a cumulative thing. I'm just this is a logistical point. It's not really yeah. part of the theoretical argument, but. I, I do think it's kind of important to determine who the fuck is, we're talking I mean, about when we're talking about people. I, I mean, the more you dig into it, the more messy it gets. Um, but, <laughs> and if the answer is but, that it's cumulative, know. and yeah, that guy just got rights the day before he died, fine. If that's the answer, fine. Yeah. But, like, right. come on, guys. Can we be specific about who we're talking about? Right. I think a lot of closed-border people make the net taxpayer... Uh, theory sound much more reasonable than it is and i'll show and i'll show why for example in a moment um so obviously you know that that's hoppus position that's net taxpayer theory roughly speaking now there's a there's a complication here because like obviously we have federal taxes right um but a net taxpayer in chicago isn't necessarily a net taxpayer in new york that's true. You see where I'm going with this? Yes. So yeah. if like if a person in their town is a net taxpayer, that doesn't mean they're a net taxpayer in the town over. So by by the standards that it's justified to restrict non-net taxpayers or net tax consumers from public utilities or public property, when they are not a net taxpayer, if we logically follow this to its logical conclusion, you're not allowed to leave your town. Yeah, without an you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be, or at yeah. least at the very least, your state. I mean, think about this: if you're a person from Texas, let's say you're a, you're a person from Texas. Let's say you're a net taxpayer at the federal level, okay? But let's say you live yeah. in the state of Texas and you don't own property. Well, Texas doesn't have an mm-hmm. income tax, so. 
If you're in the state of Texas and you don't own property, it is very possible that the services that you use from the state of Texas would actually make you a net tax consumer for the state of Texas, but not federally. But the state of Texas gets federal money for things like its highway system and for things like its (laughs) schools. And for so is the fact that you're a net taxpayer at the federal level, does that outweigh the fact that you're not a net taxpayer at the state level? And to what percentage does that outweigh that fact? Is it by the amount that you're a net taxpayer in, 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 in the federal level versus at the state level? And does that take yeah. off the percentage of what you owe technically for using yeah. services? How does this work exactly? Right. And also, you know, this is hard with fungibi- fungibility with money. <laughs> like, how do you know that your money... How do we know that your money went to those roads? Okay, that's actually another really good point, because if I'm a net taxpayer to the federal government, the federal government gives money to the state for the highways and the schools and everything else. Then if I'm a net taxpayer to the federal government, a net tax consumer of the state, isn't it possible that the money that I gave to the federal government actually got funneled to my state? And now I'm a net taxpayer in my state. How would I prove that? Right. So if you're going to be a consistent person who believe if you're going to be consistent in net taxpayer theory i think you in the if you're if you're arguing that we have to bar immigrants from entering the country because they for the reason that they are they would be net tax consumers entering property that has been paid by taxpayers or has been mm-hmm. funneled at least through the state to um by taxes um then i think you also at by that same token have to argue that it is unjustified for if you pay if you're a net taxpayer in your local town for your local taxes or local city or whatever then you are barred from entering another town without an invite without and by by invite i mean a hoppian invitation or yes which means that invitation. that whoever invited you takes on whatever liability for having you come takes on uh, yes. your costs all those other things yes so i don't th- maybe maybe i'm just crazy I don't think most people, most, you know, reasonable normies would would be okay with, uh, you know, President Dave Smith saying, you can't leave your town, but. Yeah, well, that's exactly kind of the, the point that I was making and trying to drill we're down on exactly. We're going to take the military? Yeah. We're going to take the military and we're going to put them on the border of every town in America and not let people cross. Until you show <laughs> your net taxpayer papers and you can show me the yeah. regions of the country in which you're technically a net yes. taxpayer. Net taxpayer papers, please. <laughs> I mean, this is the. I mean, your 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 this the, your your point is well taken. That and and this is one of the reasons that I'm trying to drill down so much on who this is and who do they pay taxes to? Mm-hmm. Because again, the argument is this is what reasonable people agree with. Okay, well, how reasonable yeah. is it? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that net taxpayer theory is wrong because it comes to this conclusion. But if you're if you're basing it on and it's, it's not wrong because it's complicated. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if you're basing it on the fact that well, it's very reasonable. Reasonable people can get along with this. It's like okay, can they? Can can let's 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 deduce what the conclusions are here. It, would most people find this reasonable? Uh, I think not. But this is part of the problem. Okay, and I think at a high level, this is the issue is that you are trying to find a principle. From which they deduce their position, okay? They don't have one. Do you know what I mean? 
Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's, yes, that, that's what, and that's, look, that's the problem I have, is that whenever you try to pin them down, they're like jello, where <laughs> they will just move to a different argument to try to justify their conclusion whenever you pin them on down that one. It's like whack-a-mole. It is. It, and it's because they're not arguing, they're not deducing their position from a principle, they're consequentialists. And right. so they don't judge, they, they do not judge the act, right, whatever the act may be, against a principle. They judge the act against whether they think the results of the act are good. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and again, if Dave Smith wants to put the entire military on the border, I think he is logically obligated under net taxpayer theory to put the military on the border of every town in America that yes. has a local taxes. Yes, he must be. He must you be. can't. Yeah. New York City it's has the same New, New York City has city taxes, just yeah. like that. You know what I mean. So if you're if you're yeah. if you're a net taxpayer in New York City, good. I'm happy for you. You might even be a net taxpayer in New York State, but you don't get to go to Pennsylvania and use their roads. Right. Yeah. 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 How reasonable is your position now? When you, when you actually right. apply it. But the problem is, they're consequentialists. And so they'll say, well, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. Well, why isn't it what you're saying? It's the result of your principle. I don't have a principle. I have a consequence that I want. You have, you have a conclusion you want to see happen, and you're, you will use any justification to get there until it becomes uncomfortable to your, conclu- to your uh, desired consequence. And then you just throw out any possible conclusion that would uh, you know, be uncomfortable. Yes, it's like, but yeah, it's because well, sure. the, the reason they don't see anything wrong with that is because they look at, at, again, the logical result of what they claim is their position. They see it's totally unreasonable, yeah. and they say, well, that's not my position then. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, my position another, is this um, other thing that results in what I wanted not what right, I didn't want right. if it, and if the principle results in what I did what I don't want then I just ignore that branch of the principle yeah 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 then I just say it's not the logical conclusion or that your reductio yeah. is 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 unreasonable and and I move on and at that point you don't have a principle you have a tool you're using and if it in any Part of the tool that does not achieve your ends, you just break off or throw the whole tool away. It's not just a tool, it's a lie. Because they're saying they're saying, I believe thus. And when somebody comes to them and says, You believe thus, well, thus, okay, leads to this, therefore. Yeah, right, right. And then they say, Well, then no, I don't believe thus. Right. Well, you lied to me. Well, I don't think they do say that. I think they just try to gaslight you and say, no, it doesn't look to that. <laughs> it's fundamentally um, dishonest. And that's, I think, one of my bigger problems yeah. with especially talking to consequentialists about what, what right is, is that um, it, it's fundamentally dishonest because they will constantly refer to some idea. Like, for example, this idea of like, uh, I, I was talking to a guy the other day. And, and he's talking about negative externalities, negative externalities. We have to minimize negative externalities. We can minimize negative externalities without causing more negative externalities than would be caused. If we minimize the next negative externalities, then we should do those things. Okay, fine. And so I asked him, I presented your, your, uh, your fertility restriction argument. I said, mm-hmm. children cause negative externalities. People having kids who shouldn't have kids cause negative externalities. People raising their kids poorly have negative externalities. Poor people having kids can have negative externalities. It does actively lead to higher crime rates. So should we have fertility restrictions? And he says, no, 
because the negative externalities of enforcing a fertility restriction would be greater than the negative externalities of allowing people to have kids. Okay. If I couldn't make a case that you're wrong, if I could make the case that you're incorrect and that in fact, the negative externalities of, of excess fertility are worse than the negative externalities of curbing it. Would you change your mind? And his response was, I did eat breakfast. Oh, no. <laughs> he said, you're uh, asking me to consider a hypothetical where two plus two equals five. So no, no. I'm asking you to stick to your principle. Or if you would stick to your principle, supposedly. No response. I ate breakfast. Okay. Well, all right, then. I hope you got full. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the response. I, I, I was losing my goddamn mind because I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? How would you feel if you ate shit? This morning? <laughs> 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 He's like, you're asking me a hypothetical about two plus two equaling five. I'm presenting a counterfactual. I mean, that's what a counterfactual is. It's counter to the facts. Right. right. It's just, it, it just blew my God. But that's the way it, it is. That's what, that's what people think. That's what yeah. the way that consequentialists think is because fundamentally they're lying because they don't actually right. have whatever principle they claim to have to justify their position. Because once you take it to a yeah. conclusion that they don't like or say, does your principle apply in this scenario? Well, they, they refuse to acknowledge it. They can't, they can't, it's like a, it's, it's like, um, you know, the spot in your vision that's black where your optic nerve is right. That your, that your brain fills in theirs is still black and it's that (laughs) it's covering exactly that. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just flew off the fucking handle. (laughs) No, no, I'm glad, I'm glad you, no, 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 no. I'm glad you touched on that. That was great. Anyway, it's fundamentally dishonest is what I'm saying. <laughs> I will respect closed border people, or specifically the net taxpayer variant of closed border people and Dave Smith a lot more if they just come out and say, we stick the entire military to state to state and town to town where applicable. Yeah, I really believe what I'm saying I believe. Yeah. That's the that's that to me is the fundamental issue is that I don't think they do. They have a they yeah. have a result they want and they will use whatever justification works in the moment. Right. Yeah. And in also here's case. another thing. I, I do want to tag on one extra little thing on yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Hoppe has this famous article, and this is sort of where he argues for it, which is the case of free trade and restricted immigration. And his argument is that trade and immigration are distinctly different. And I agree with that. You know, in, in a trade, right, you have a back and forth. Uh, you, you have the, the, the sender and the receiver, right? So you have two people who already consent to the transaction. Yes. And he's saying immigration is distinct from this because, you know, uh, with an immigrant, they could just come in without being invited um, in, in an open immigration system. And that's true. That is right? a true Obviously, distinction. Yes. Yeah, goods do not move themselves. Um, that is obviously true. Um, but his argument that, you know, if we take Hoppe's argument specifically that says that, well, okay, the inviter must cover the costs, right, of uh, what would otherwise be socialized onto the taxpayer in order for it to be justified. Um, there's many cases where trade, ha- when, when trade happens, 
that the person, like the buyer of something from, let's say, out of the country, let's say the sell, their seller's out of the country, the buyer's in the country. Um, when that property, when that property from that trade is being transported, it's being transported on roads where that net taxpayer uh, who is trading something, um, they don't necessarily have a, a, a net taxpayer claim on the roads that that property is traveling. Right. They're not covering yeah. the cost of that. Or what about what about you? If you're a net tax consumer, can you not buy anything? Uh, and actually, and it gets shipped across the country. That's a great point. And and actually, to your point, in in a lot of contracts, who covers transport cost is often a topic of negotiation. So if you're let's say you're buying ten thousand widgets to bring to your wadget factory because you need widgets to make your wadgets, okay. You're buying yeah. 10,000 widgets from China. Who pays the cost of that transport? There may be something in your industry that's normal and you go with that or whatever it is, but it can be a, the topic of negotiation, which means that the taxpaying entity in, this, in the country that those widgets are going to be on the road in may not be paying, I'm sorry, may not be getting paid and therefore passing on the, that, that, uh, that revenue uh, to the country that they're paying the taxes in for transporting those things it could be going to a different country but also just like covering the cost of like road damage over time exactly you know, stuff yeah. like that yeah so uh you know <laughs> uh it seems that if under Hoppe's example it's true that there's distinctions between um you know f- trade and immigration i completely get, agree with that i can i can see that completely um but there's still some similarities where <laughs> under his theory that would seem there's an underlying principle that would seem to justify restricting people who are net tax consumers from buying things from out of their town, let's say, or like trading um, outside their town, because those things are going to get transported on roads that they have not paid for um, specifically. Um, And that's going to put the cost of that, you know, um, of that transport on the other taxpayers who have to, uh, who are paying to upkeep that road. Mm hmm. Exactly. And, and yet nobody and nobody uh, is that is a cost that is being absorbed. By that contingent yeah. of people, it's not being it's it, there's nothing to offset it. It's just right. a cost. Yeah, that's an excellent yeah. point. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm going to move on from the net taxpayer thing, because there's one more thing, Dave, uh, Dave and biblical anarchy said that was kind of just misrepresented uh or actually i don't think it was misrepresented they just didn't uh, maybe they didn't understand what i was saying or they just didn't agree either one um this is about my uh my position that property does not have inherent teleology to it oh god and so <laughs> this um, is the most so for, annoying and, annoying thing they say yeah yeah so okay, my I'm sorry continue uh, my, uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, teleology is essentially the study of purpose, the purpose of a thing, right? Um, so I think purpose is much like language in the sense that I don't think like an object has a specific purpose intrinsically by the nature of its design. And in the same way that I don't think a word has an objective definition intrinsic to the word itself. Um, I think the purpose of an object is what the user, at the very least, and usually the owner, but the user of it, uses it for. And mm-hmm. I think there are common uses, right? Like a hammer. We can say a hammer's c- common purpose is to hammer nails, right? 
that's we can say that that's and that that's fine. I agree with that, but that doesn't mean that the the purpose of it is intrinsic in the item itself, as opposed to the user constructed the hammer uh, or the inventor in, constructed the hammer in a way because they wanted to hammer nails, right? So they might the user might have designed it this way because this is an effective way at. Uh, hammering nails. This is mm-hmm. an effective instrument at hammering nails. But that doesn't mean for all time and space that this design is restricted or has its purpose as hammering nails, regardless of who's holding the hammer. Um, oh, yeah. The, 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 the fat um, side of a three-quarter inch wrench can be a finish hammer, too. Right, right. Yeah. Um, now, like language, right? I, I don't believe the words have objective meanings. I think they have intersubjective common meanings. So I think you can have something that's intersubjectively uh, a common purpose in the sense that most people just agree that, you know, um, we use this thing for this specific thing. I, I don't deny that, but I don't think it's the same as saying that, well, um, there's a playground here that means that is it is intrinsically forever like almost platonically yes uh, yes well aristotelian in an aristotelian sense right aristotelian sense yes um is that it's it's just purely for this is playground land now and forever right right um because like for example if an owner wanted to say okay this is a playground there are no children allowed I don't think that they're. I don't think that they have violated any teleology here. I don't think that they've. You know, mm-hmm. it's uncommon. It might be uncommon, and I would agree with that. But they have not actually, uh, you know, used it for an incorrect purpose. Right. I, I think there's a. I think it, there's an interesting kind of thing, like a subtopic that I would like, like the. Statements of purpose, especially for 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 physical objects, right? And and yeah. you know, for people. I mean, this applies to biology as well. Statements of purpose, I think, tend to be more correct the more general they are, right? So so let's say let's take the hammer for example, right? You could make the statement that the hammer's purpose is for hitting nails. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe, but you can use it for other things too. Um, sure. you could use it to hit other things with, right? So, so let's you so, to, you can decorate your house with it. Like you hold it up on a wall or something. Yeah, exactly. Ha- yeah. Hanging on a wall is a great example, right? So, so you could, you can do all of these things with it, right? So its purpose mm-hmm. is to do stuff with. Right. Right. Like the more general it gets, the more I can agree. It's right. Like the, yeah. the purpose of a hammer is to do stuff with. Well, that's true. The purpose of land, right. okay, is to do stuff with. Sure. Sure. If you're homesteading land, right, maybe maybe you want to keep it pristine or whatever that, is, that means or, or however you would do that. But aside from all of that, the purpose of it is to build stuff on, to do stuff with. Yeah. I, I mean, I would even push back a little bit and say that I, I think that is like conceding even too much because I, I think that uh, I don't think the land has a purpose prior to the agent no determining the purpose no, no. right right so uh, it doesn't have uh, an intrinsic a hammer energy. under a sand dune in the middle of the sahara has no purpose it has nothing to right. give it purpose human beings 
Human beings are purpose-driven, uh, so we have our own subjective teleology for things we use, right? We have, we have, we construct that there are purposes for things to our ends, right? Uh, right, man acts, right, and he uses the scarce resources of the world uh, to attain his end, to try to attain his ends at the very least, right? Uh, so we have our own subjective teleology of things we think uh use cases for things that we think uh, bring us to our like end goal right okay yeah uh but that doesn't mean that there's an intrinsic purpose in the thing in the object like by the shape of it right yes now there are use cases for it and obviously the shape of something or the um physical construction of something are going to make it more useful for certain things than others that is true but that doesn't mean that its purpose yes. is um, create or is intrinsic to the item. Oh, its purpose, uh, purpose is what it's being used for. And I think this is this is especially true for land, where it's like you can yeah. you can tear down anything and build something else in its place. What the land is right. being used for, what's being done on the land, can change, and it can change quickly. Yeah. I mean, you can you can you can tear down a, a a house and build a liquor store in its spot pretty quick. Yeah, nine months maybe. So, I mean, so right. the, the 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 point being that there's no like that that there's no permanence to anything being done on any piece of land anywhere. Right. It's the difference between an intrinsic quality and an extrinsic quality, right? It's so like an intrinsic quality. Uh, just for uh, a little overview for uh, people who may not be familiar uh, with the concept, like an intrinsic property is something the thing has, uh, like no matter what, essentially, uh, as long as that thing is intact. So, like, any classic example of this is weight versus mass. Mass is an intrinsic quality to a thing at any given point in time. An extrinsic quality is a thing the that it has as a possession, but it is not the um, it's not intrinsic. So this would be like weight, right? Our weight is determined by gravity, right? Yes. So it's not necessarily fully determined by me itself, by me the thing itself. It is determined by an extrinsic factor in gravity. If you Purpose, take a if you take a lead ball to the moon, its weight changes, its mass does not. That's what you're saying. Correct. Correct. Yes. yes. So the mass is an intrinsic quality, uh, an intrinsic property of a thing. Its weight is not intrinsic, it's extrinsic. It comes from somewhere else. Uh, um, so in terms of a, a teleological purpose uh, for like, for like you know, item, physical items and stuff like that, the purpose comes from the agent. It's an, the, the, the teleology of a thing, in my view comes from the agent, meaning that the purpose of it is an extrinsic feature. It's not intrinsic in the thing itself. The, it's, a, it's the assignation of meaning versus inherent meaning is a, a distinction that exists, I see, because we've, and we've talked about this before, the, the sort of existential um, position of created purpose versus the um, the, the, the the idea of intrinsic purpose. purpose. Yes. Right. Um, the, and, and the existential sort of position is the one that I take as well, which is that a purpose exists when it's given by an agent. You give yourself purpose, right. you give things purpose, but you're not born with it. Yeah, the, yeah, right. The, the purpose, specifically, especially when talking about like non-animate um, objects, um, these are things we use to achieve our end. So the purpose is essentially... Can this thing 
achieve my end? What end do I have? And like, how effective is it? Right. So we can say like, you know, we can say objectively like, well, this will be more effective at your end than another thing. But that doesn't mean there's an objective purpose to the thing itself. Yes. Those are distinct. It isn't to say, by the way, it isn't to say I don't think things, oh, this is actually more true for, for like living things, for, for the sentience and sapience, right? It's not to say that I don't think things have a nature by and large. I just don't think you can be particularized about it. So I, I, I think there is a, there is, there are things that have a nature, but I don't think that means purpose. I don't think those are the same word. And I also yeah, I don't think, think you can be particularized. I think it has to be generalized because it's not it's not right. going to be totally accurate to every single instance. Right, right. Yeah, like, you know, we can talk about like, you know, a classic example of this is uh, genetics, right? Our genes have are directed in a specific way towards a specific end. Yes, it doesn't. And, and while that's true, it doesn't necessarily mean that me, the person who is made up of these genetics has the same or is bound by the same purpose that my genetics are driven to uh, uh, that, that I am. Right? You need to share the goal. Here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that's broadly true. And I think those things aren't really in conflict. The idea that, no. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a conflict that arises that people want to argue about. It's like, well, a thing must follow its nature. And I just don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, also, uh, when you say must... Are you being that, like, when someone says that, do they mean that it will follow its nature or that it should? Because if you're saying it should, there's an option that it can't. If you're saying it will under any circumstances, then that kind of implies it can't violate its nature. It's a, it's if, an, if we're just yeah, it's a should. It's an ought statement. It's, it's a thing ought follow its nature. Right. Is, right. is what. Yeah. That's sort of moral teleology. Yes, exactly. People make that, yeah. I don't right. think I don't think that's necessarily the case. I I I, I think there's something. No. I think especially sentience or, or sapience rather uh, lends itself to this idea of 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 defying materiality. I don't I don't see why the material nature of a body must demand action in any sense um, outside of right. you know eating so that you survive. But then again, maybe you maybe you starve yourself in protest of something, right? Like that, you don't. Right. There's no. There, there's no. There is no law of the universe which says that you must absolutely at all times eat. There's a consequence. You will die. But right. You don't have to. <laughs> I right. mean. Yeah. No, exactly. So that that's sort of my position is that like because the, the what I'm responding to when I say that it doesn't have property doesn't have an intrinsic teleology to it is there right sorry that, well, I took us way off base <laughs> that's my bad no 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 you're fine no this is a complicated <laughs> topic and it deserves to have that you know be um kind of explicated um or expounded upon um I, I think um I, I think I think the so the reason I I would bring that point up usually is because they would say that well you know kind of this goes back to like Rothbard's point is that well we should treat it like private property right and what they'll say is that well we should treat a school like a school or something like that or we should treat a road how a road is commonly used it's like okay that is. Uh, that is okay to say if you're just trying to appeal to what's you know what is commonly uh regarded as its common use right um but private it, it is in invariably invariably important 
that we understand who owns something because we cannot make a determination on what this thing should be used for or how it specifically should be used for without the owner. We can guess and maybe we'll be right, but we don't have confidence that we'll be right uh, necessarily instituting these norms without the actual owner's uh, say. Well, to use the same language as earlier, we cannot determine what the purpose of this property is without consulting the agent who gets to determine that. Right. Yeah. And you can guess and maybe you'll be correct, right? In the same way that I can guess what you mean by the word blue. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you have you a certain approximation, weak. but right. Right. Um, but, but beyond that, I, I the, if, and, and this sort of like going into like the, the reductive ad absurdum that they use with like the, the crackhead walking into the school or something, right? Um, oh yeah, the heroin my, user in the school. That's the one uh, they go to, right there. It was it was never my argument that the school was unowned. I, I, I did not make that argument. This Maybe is a is, misunderstanding I, I that a made. lot of people had. Okay, a lot of people had this misunderstanding yeah. that the position is that all of that which the state claims is unowned inherently, like categorically. Yes. That is not the case. There well, may it, be it, a legitimate owner out there of any piece of property the state claims. To say the state, everything this, the state has no legitimate title, that does not mean that that can never have title. And it's very dishonest, I think, when people say, oh, so you think everyone is, just has a right to this land as if it's, they, they all own it, if foreigners or something own it. Um, that is not the case at all. The, our point is that if the land is unowned, then yes, everyone has a right to cross it until it's homesteaded, right? Yeah. Any given particular plot, uh, cross it or use it or homestead it until it's homesteaded. Um, until title's risen making... in it, it's not owned. Yes. Nobody has right. any right of exclusion on it. And I'm not even making the case that the school is unknown. In fact, I've made arguments as to how the school could be owned in, in, different, in different ways. I, I've specifically made that case. Um, uh, I think it wasn't, but, weren't there, a f- there were a few possibilities, right? Uh, you could, yeah. if you try to break it down, you could say that the parents who send their kids to be taught there uh, might I've, be yeah. owners. The people who teach there might be owners. There's there's a number of ways you could try and break that down and see you know and you'd have to analyze and and apply uh, apply um, principles of title to that to break that down and see what's real yeah. and what's not but there's a, there's a lot of possibilities I mean there's a lot of possibilities also there's a there's a, a good case um, and uh, Zulu has actually made this this point in the past um, which is that um, you know there's a difference between like you know just if someone just commonly uses something but they don't really regard themselves as the owner of it then you can't really claim oh but they are when they specifically tell you they're not you know yeah there's also that possibility so i do think it's important to note while i do think it can be owned and it could very well be owned we can't just assume because it's used it's owned that's not that's not the same thing yes i can use like, I, I can walk down in the forest or something multiple times. That doesn't mean I've necessarily homesteaded anything. I think Bob, I, I, in the same um, way, I, can, I think Bob Murphy yeah. built his straw man with the International Space Station. Where he was like, uh, what, so you're saying the International Space Station's unowned and alien oh, can well. just come homestead the International Space Station? It's like, okay, for, first of all, there's people living there. 
and they're using it to survive in the vacuum of space. I think that could be a case for homesteading. And that's only if we consider that it was abandoned by the people who built it and the people who went there homesteaded it. So there's, you got two possible owners right there before you have to deal with any aliens. So no, Bob use is is necessary for ownership. It's, but it's not necessarily um, sufficient for ownership. Right. Um, in the same way, if I if I pick up a stick, right, and I, I use it, and then I just, like, at the end of me walking in the forest or something, I just, like, throw it away or something, and, and then, you know, uh, uh, days go by, and I another person picks up the stick, if I go there the next month and the stick is gone, I can't be like, oh my god, I've been stolen from. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know. Um, um, but th- in terms of ownership... I have I have made the case many times that I think there are po- many plausible ways the school could be owned, and meaning that people could restrict other people from entering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's also the problem of when if a conflict arises, we have to be able to point to an objectively ascertainable owner. Uh, in order, uh, implicit in the idea of conflict is that there is a party that was conflicted with. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so I, I think one of the reasons a lot of this is frustrating is, and this I could be wrong, but this just seems to be my, my uh, this seems clear to me, is that I think in, in a lot of times in the closed border position, they are just assuming that this land is owned and they're not pointing to the owner yeah. of which these immigrants are trespassing. Where, where, are, where are they? Point, point me to them. Like, you know, uh, well, you have the example, too, of the rancher whose land was taken to create the border. Right. On on however much distance on the inside of this line, the state says, "Okay, that's actually the border. Like you, the rancher can still use it to, like, feed out your cows and stuff, but it's actually ours. Okay, so somebody does that. Right. Who actually owns? I don't think any libertarian would say that that's not the rancher's fucking land. Right. And if it is, and if they want to open it up to immigration across it, who is who are the libertarians to say no? Right. And also, if I privately own a school, don't I have the right to let the crack in? <laughs> right. This is the other issue. And here's the, and this is another good, level of the issue with it that it was ignored yeah. when you brought it up. But what if the crackhead is a net taxpayer? Well, no, it wasn't ignored. Dave just said no. That wouldn't be justified. Why? Well, because he was using the net taxpayer theory earlier, but now he's not. Because <laughs> it led to a bad conclusion. That means when, when something leads to a bad conclusion, you just stop using it until you need to use it again. If things lead to a good conclusion, then use it. If it leads to a bad conclusion, don't use it. That's the rule. <laughs> don't use it until you need to make the argument again and to again, make it yes. the conclusion you want. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No. I, I, I. That's. That's. But that was one of the. That was one of the most telling things about that whole discussion was when you asked explicitly, "What if the heroin user is a net taxpayer?" Which is like a very simple question, and the response is like, yeah. oh, "How would a how would a heroin? I did eat breakfast." <laughs> Jesus. Right. It was just sad. Yeah. Um. Also, you know. 
I'm not going to go through all these, but obviously, you know, it's very ironic that the people who are appealing to, like, the will of the majority or, um, you know, what a reasonable private property, what a reasonable private property user should do, and that's how we should emulate public property. It seems interesting that I I think, you know, for many people, um, it would be reasonable from their perspective to want to impose um, mask restrictions on their property if they felt like there was a very dangerous virus around. Well, this was the other thing that was, that was basically ignored um, by, by pretty much it was ignored, uh, not ignored. It was just not addressed. It was avoided. The same people who freaked out the most and justifiably. So mind you freaked out the most about COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not about COVID, about the COVID restrictions. Restriction. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No restrictions. Yeah. Well, that was, that was one of the things was that there was, I, there was one person who actually responded to that. And they responded with the Kinsella argument that, well, you can't forestall the actual net taxpayer from doing something that they would have the right to do. So, like, like the, the, mm-hmm. the idea right. is that this easement for use creates the right to use it in a way that is, that is a, that, uh, Kinsella's whole argument hinges on this idea of maximizing restitution. And so you have, you, you cannot forestall a, a net taxpayer, right? Someone who owns this property from using mm-hmm. the property. Uh, insofar as it doesn't damage the property or hurt the property and reduce the restitution to all the other taxpayers. Right. Yada, yada, yada. That's the logic. Okay. I disagree with Kinsella on this, but he's got the best argument I've seen for addressing yeah, think, that critique. Right. But I, I like Kinsella's argument, too. I think it's probably the better of all of them. I, I think it's um, I think it's essentially hopeless, but he takes it to its logical conclusion more. I think I think he sort of like explains Hoppe's particular point in a better way, truthfully. Yeah, um, and, it, well, and he actually provides a principle. Then the principle is maximization of restitution to the people who were stolen from. Okay. Right. This is something we and can I, work I think, with. <laughs> right. I, 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 we might have talked about this on the previous episode. I think we might have. I don't remember. But I want to point it out again. I think that people hinging on Kinsella's argument um, are probably going to shoot themselves in the foot um, because I don't think they've thought about all the conclusions of it if they're closed borders. Because if I, I if actually Trump don't think so either, and I don't think Kinsella has either. I, I think he, I think he might have. Um, but if property, because Kinsella here's the is thing, not it would be borders. fucking rad if Kinsella came out and just agreed with you on the critique you're about to make. Yeah, if I, I well, I know Kinsella's not closed borders as Hoppe. I think he said in the past. Um, but I, if I remember, so yeah, but, but basically, one of the conclusions of Kinsella's argument, if it is the case that you can gain a property title from public lands from a host state who has aggressed against you, specifically by taxation. Or at least, well, at least an easement for use. Or at least an easement for use, yes. Um, by that standard, millions of Middle Eastern people have a right, a right to use that public land. Oh, yeah. At the very least. And then we can even get into, like, you know, the state policies in South America. uh, All the Hondurans who are escaping to here because the U.S. collapsed their economy. Yeah, or what about the, you know, you know, Vietnam, uh, Vietnamese, you know, we can keep going. We can keep going. And here's uh, the thing. I think it would be rad if Kinsella came out and just said, yeah. I, yeah, me too. Like, that would be, honestly, at that point, I still don't think I would agree with Kinsella, 
But it's like, right. okay, man, you have you, you are the best on your side. Right. Yeah. Like, it's it's honestly because it is the logical conclusion, it, right? If it's restitution yeah. for people who were aggressed against, then yeah. Yeah. Why would that? Why do it would be arbitrary to restrict that to domestic aggression? Well, what possible reason could you have? Because if if it is true, yeah, it's arbitrary. If it is true that the only reason that we say this about St- or that Kinsella, or you know, we as in you know people making Kinsella's argument, for example, mm-hmm. I'm not arguing with Kinsella directly, so I don't want to speak too much for him. But I did read what he had to say about it, and I did, I, I do think I pretty much grok his argument. Grok, fuck, I, did, I never want to be a guy who uses that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it, I do think I understand his argument pretty well. Um. And, and it's, I think, again, I think it's the best one that I've seen from that side because it actually addresses a lot of the issues and it provides yeah. a principle. So if we have, if, 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 if the reason that we go with that argument is because um, it's the only thing the state has in terms of restitution is mm-hmm. that people can use the shit that the state is using their stolen money for. Like if it's. Because it seems to me that that's the case, that Kinsella's only real argument is that the state can't really pay restitution. And this is the closest mm-hmm. we can possibly get. Okay, that's, I, I think that's fair. I think that's probably true. So, why then would it only apply, why then would that principle even only apply to domestic participants? Why, why, right. why can't it be that the state can't pay restitution to these Middle Eastern people either? And if they if if someone to say, well, you know, the state's aggression was more like direct or something like that, it's like, um, I, I don't know if they would make that argument, but if they did, I, I would argue that you know, I don't know, your family being bombed is probably yeah, that's worse a, than yeah, that. your wedding getting bombed is a bit more direct than your yeah. employer taking a cut of your paycheck and giving it to the government, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would I would I would agree with you. Not that we're not that not that, you know, there's any aggression. Not that it's not play, aggression, yeah. but right. It's all aggression. But like, <laughs> yeah, if they tried to make that distinction that, well, one is worse than the other and therefore we have to have priorities. OK, well, if we're going to prioritize the worst aggression, well, then <laughs> then uh, the Middle Eastern people who the United States government has terrorized have more of a right to that land than yeah. the taxpayer if we're going off of like what is worse aggression uh, if that's the standard yeah i i i think that's that uh, and, and again i wish that Kinsella would write something about this and maybe he has and i missed it i don't yeah. know but i wish that Kinsella would write something about this and i i would hope that if he does his response is oh shit yeah absolutely hmm because that would be, honestly, I respect the shit out of Kinsella because I think he's super, 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 super consistent. And that mm-hmm. is the most consistent response he could possibly give. Yeah. He's the most con- consistent motherfucker. <laughs> as far as, like, libertarian influencer types. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. The, the Okay, so you and Monocro Hopian uh, were in a space with, with several others. Monocro Hopian hosted it um, as kind of a response to this, this thing that Biblical Anarchy did with Dave. And mm-hmm. was Biblical Anarchy in that space? Yeah, he was. He okay. Was. Is this space recorded? Because I was trying to find it earlier. Uh, I'm th- uh, hold on, let me see. I, I, th- 
I can send you the link. I yeah, it's recorded. Okay, cool, it's, cool, cool. I'll go pull recorded. it up later then. Because uh, I didn't get a chance to listen okay. to the whole thing because my Twitter app kept crashing okay. and I eventually got sick of yeah. uh, hearing uh, 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 some of the personalities. But it's fine, no problem. Um, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, let me look at my notes. Okay, so you had a you did this with Monarcha Hopping and several other people. Mm-hmm. And biblical anarchy showed up to this, right? He did. Yes, he did. Okay, and the result seemed, of that was I because I, I heard that he backed yeah. off of stuff. Yeah, he seemed much more like middle of the road than he had been, especially on like uh, with, with Dave, um, for sure. Um, it, it, it was still very much like, and he even he even said directly that he had he. He didn't say he was a consequentialist, but he was more, he was um, sensitive to those arguments. I'm not using his exact language, but that was, that was the gist of it. That he was more, he, he was sensitive to consequentialist arguments, which I respect him admitting. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, well, um, because at least it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, that's the, where your whole thing is coming from, is consequentialism. So just admit it. Um, right. I, I didn't get to I, like I had a bunch of notes. I didn't really get to like most of the stuff in, in this. That I, Man, there that were I a lot of book. people there. Yes, there were. Um, but it, it was one of those cases where, um, yeah, uh, what I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, oh, it was just one of those cases where. I, I wanted to push him harder on more things, and I, I probably would have if if there was more time in the space. Yes. But, um, but ultimately, uh, just it, it went on for a very long time, and of course there were a lot of people, which is fine. Um, uh, but it was, yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe in the future, if if I do another one of these, um, I, I will try to like drill down on on these points um, because I, I I do like like Dave likes to say that you know well no we are correct it's just the loony. Um, libertarians who are open borders, but I feel like he, I feel like the arguments that you know that are being presented are not being really read or taken to heart. Um, truthfully, because um, it's like you know it's not like the people arguing for open borders are unfamiliar with Hoppe, right? It's not like we are just completely disconnected and we don't understand his argument. We know his argument. We just think he's wrong for specific reasons. Yes. <laughs> and, and the same is true of Rothbard, who, by the way, yeah. thinks he might be wrong. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I, there's no other way to read libertarians who might be sound in the remote reaches of high theory. It's derisive, but what he's saying is people yeah. might be right. Yeah. Um, in any case, but I do think this though, too, I think part of the reason that it's not really being hooked into the arguments that are being made against this, I think one of the reasons that nobody's really hooking into it. And I think I'm not going to give the, I'm not going to give Dave the benefit of the doubt on this because he hasn't, he hasn't been uh, entirely honest or consistent this entire time. So I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this. Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt on the idea that he knows if he presents the reductio of, hey, uh, you just want a heroin user in, in my baby's school, that that's going to get everybody all riled up, and their response is going to be fucking outsized, right? Like, because it's emotional. It's an emotional appeal. Well, also, 
it's not a necessary conclusion either, because um, our position is not that the school is necessarily unowned. It might be. We're not saying it is. Yeah, there's so, so it's not there, a there very well may be and probably is. Frankly, it's a school that's yeah. in use. It's a, it's something that's in right. use. There probably is someone who has the right to say no to that. Right. So that reductio ad absurdum isn't even a reductio because it's not a conclu- uh, conclusion from our argument necessarily. And so, then, and then know, the that, other thing after he has that emotional energy, though, after he gets everybody that emotionally riled up in his comments section talking about how Ace is a fucking moron, after he gets all that stuff riled up, I, and then you I ask the question, he, do what he he did say, he did say he he liked some of the arguments I made, or he he at least thought I was reasonable. So I don't want to come across as if he was just like attacking me on the show. On the show, uh, this is my opinion. I'm not. I yeah, okay, I, okay, I am okay, not okay, speaking right. for you. Yeah, yeah. I will be very clear. My no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not shitting on you. I'm, I'm trying to be very clear and clarify that my opinion on what Dave is doing is what I'm saying right now. I'm not speaking for Ace at all. If Dave, and, if Dave would like to speak to Ace, Ace will not say these things to Dave. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be, I, 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 that's totally fair. Totally fair. And he did say that. He did say that, that he thought some of your arguments were good. I think he's manipulating people. Or, yeah, you were fair, yeah. It's one of those things where I... <laughs> it's like, if you say, yeah, we're going to put the military on the border. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I still think people are underestimating how bad that statement is. Yes. <laughs> like, truthfully. Uh, there were people, there were people who were arguing, like, Dave Smith fans who were arguing, like, well, he doesn't really mean it. And it's like, what? It's what he said! Right. And, uh, you know, uh, Biblical Anarchy, he, when he was in the space, he even tried to, like, defend this position by saying, well, no, they, the, why Dave said that is, like, it would be less aggression if we just did that, right? If we pulled all the military out from overseas and just put them on the border, that would result in less aggression. So that's why Dave said it. It's like, well, I don't, that didn't come across. I want to hear that from Dave. Uh, yeah, well, also, it didn't come across in the clip. It said, we need to put our military on the border. Our like, entire military. Home. Yeah, right. Because this is a Dave's hypothetical, right? He gets to set the terms. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, him saying, let's put them on the border isn't just a, yeah, let's, you know. And uh, if, it, and if Dave has said that in one, of the, in one of the many shows he's been making hay about this on mm-hmm. since, um, like, you know, fine, just, you know, send the clip or whatever. But I, right. I haven't seen it. He didn't say, uh, you know, put them in fire stations and ha- help them put out fires. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Give them all firefighter that. training and EMT yeah. training and put them to work saving yeah. people's homes. <laughs> right. He didn't say that. Uh, but and, and my point is that, OK, if we're just trying to if we're just buying into the idea of we're being uh, liberty utilitarians to kind of quote Zulu there. Um, if we're just trying to reduce the amount um, of aggression, then, you know, he could also make the case, probably, that we could put, you know, the military on public property and make them enforce mask mandates if there's a virus around. Sure. That seems to be that's less invasive than blowing people up. What we need to do is we uh, need that- to put the whole military in schools right. in order to enforce. The children doing what the government tells them to do. I'm sorry. The net taxpayer tells them to do yeah. in the schools. Right. 
That's what the entire military in the schools yep. making sure Johnny does his homework. I find it. I, I find it so. It's. I just find Dave to be incredibly disingenuous. And yep. and I know. I know. And again, he 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 gave you at least some of your due with regard to the arguments you were making, and that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I think he's being manipulative and disingenuous because. Again, when 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 he when he gets that that emotional sort of response out of, out of making the well, you just want to put heroin users in my kid's library. When he makes the, when he gets that emotional sort of thing going, and then you ask, well, what if the heroin user's a taxpayer? Well, right. then he can just or, make fun because he already has all the, the emotional energy on his side. What if the heroin user is the teacher? How <laughs> <laughs> many such cases? <laughs> I say that not even joking. Do you know how many teachers are fucking pill addicts? Like, <laughs> like you know, it's like we we also have to figure out: Does he think just being in proximity of like a crack user or heroin user is aggression, or is it because the property is is actually private and owned by the taxpayers? Because. It seems to be he thinks just being in proximity is the aggression. Yeah, it kind of seems like, well, it was the same thing as all the people who were making the argument about, like, well, a heroin user, uh, you know, shooting up on the sidewalk. I don't want to see that. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, I'm really not concerned about what you want to see, bud. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, liberty sometimes means you're going to see things that you really don't like. That's too bad, Bucko. This fucking <laughs> just I mean, libertarians bad. making arguments for the FCC. That shit shouldn't be on the radio. Are you right, fucking yes. kidding me? Over my public airway? <laughs> <laughs> God damn. The net taxpayers own the public airway. Yeah, that's exactly it. God, I, it's just ugh, yeah. ugh. Babies. Babies. Yep. And Disneyfication. This is the other thing. It's the Disneyfication arguments yeah. that bug that bug me too. The world is not for your kid. The world is for adults. There are specific areas of the world that are carved out for children, and I think those things should be respected. I do because kids need those kinds of places. But yeah, the rest of the world is for me, motherfucker. Not your damn kid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like think about the children. It's like no, I, I, I I'm not going to. I don't, and I never like, do, especially yours. There was another point Dave made that actually just kind of like uh, put me in shock when I heard it because it was so. I, I, I like I, I'm just going to reiterate it here, um, and I'll probably this will probably be my last argument. Um, but he was saying that how weird it was that we're saying well you know in a private property libertarian society uh we could restrict people and place restrictions all over the place and he and then he said it's very odd that our argument is the exact opposite when it's the state Mm -hmm. and i i just like my brain broke because it's like dude I, i I'm pretending I'm talking to Dave right now, so that's why I'm getting in okay. real close to the mic. Whisper in Dave's ear. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, with, by that standard, by that standard, Dave, uh, if you want to say that, well, you know, why are we treating public property uh, how we wouldn't treat private property in an ANCAP society? Well, by that standard, the government can place gun restrictions on that private property in the same way a private owner could place gun restrictions 
on their private property. Yep. Uh, they could place COVID restrictions. They could place whatever restrictions they wanted. If they wanted to ban religion they, on their property, they could do that. Mm-hmm. So the whole argument that, well, uh, obviously, you know, why do we have a position here that's uh, the exact opposite to a position we'd have in a private property society? Uh, well, yeah. it's because the state is not a legitimate owner. That's why. That's, That's why. why they can't make those restrictions. That's exactly right. right. I, I hate to break it to you. I hate to break it to you, but that no yeah. gun sign on the door of your favorite taqueria is in fact a legitimate demand by the owner of that business. Right. And and the <laughs> the entire argument of libertarianism, like this is why the whole treat it like private property thing gets on my nerves, because the entire reason we are opposed to the state is we because we believe one it's aggressive and it has no property itself it has no the reason the reason laws regarding public property are unjustified by libertarian standards are because they do not legitimately own the property in order to place those restrictions in the first place that is the primary reason we're opposed to the state so this whole well let's just pretend it's private property it's like well great you've just justified state control congrats yes exactly exactly and it's based on the will of the people if the will of the people vote for it well then it is what it is yeah right jesus um that's all i had i I, uh, i demand that you start a show uh, where you only speak into the mic at that distance, and you call it ASMR. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Just make arguments into the microphone at that distance, at that volume, call it yeah. ASMR. Done. Millions of dollars yeah. on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I do think I, I really do think that there are there are places in the world that are carved out to be safe for kids, and and I think that those sure. things should be respected. I really do. I am I am dead yeah. ass serious about that. I do think that that should be respected. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to adultify Disneyland. You know? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. I don't necess- I don't want to adultify Disney World. I just don't want to Disneyfy my adult world. Yeah. I've told the story a million times, but my parents took me and my brother. We were tiny. We were on vacation. I'll tell it very quickly because I've told it I've told before. We went to a restaurant, very horny restaurant, grill and bar, right? Type situation. All these professionals, loose ties, uh, very short skirts and dresses and things. Uh, professionals off the clock, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, very, very horny environment. Okay. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of loud conversation, cursing, lewdness, if you will. And so... Uh, my parents took my brother and I to fucking McDonald's. They didn't get to eat at the nice, cool grill and bar that they had looked up because it wasn't appropriate for their kids. So they went elsewhere. I mean, it's, it's, that's how, that's how you have to live sometimes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not entitled to every place on the planet being a safe place for your kid and for everything everybody's doing everywhere to be something you'd be happy for your kid to see. Sorry. The same argument again that that people make against the FCC. You don't like it? Yeah. Change a channel. Go elsewhere. Yep. yep. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just I, I wanted to clarify that I do think that spaces that are carved out for kids should be respected. That that should be. It's it's not only is it rude to not respect it, but in some cases, yeah, I think it probably is criminal. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
um, depending mm-hmm. on what you're doing to disrespect that space. But um, yeah, the, the, I just I, I wanted to clarify that because I came off very very hot. <laughs> and what I mean is, I'm not saying people should be fucking at your playground. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would be good. Um mm-hmm. anyway. Um but yes, uh, there's there's the implications of the arguments are bad across the board and that's why he can't stick to one. That's why none of them can stick right. to one. With the exception, right. I will say of the guy I was talking about who was who was arguing from Kinsella's position. I I really think I really think stick like sure. like that Kinsella has answers for some of these things. Yeah, I, I think Kinsella is, it probably puts the argument the best. It formulates it the best uh, in the most concise way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Was there anything else you wanted to hit on? Nope. Uh, I'm good. Um, okay. Uh, let me look. I don't, I don't see anything else in my notes. All right. Uh, you want to do plugs then? Uh, I do have one plug. Uh, my Substack, asarfist.substack.com. Um, I I'm in the process of like taking my immigration article from the past and dice dissecting it essentially into more digestible chunks, mm-hmm. um, and uh, republishing those chunks so that they're more easily like accessible, readable, linkable, and stuff like that. So, um, I recently did one specifically on on the Rothbard section where I I touch on Rothbard's um um article what to do in the meantime in my response to it. Um so that's up. Um and so uh, go check that out if you're interested. Um that's all. Yes, uh I, I recommend going to check that out. Um anytime it anytime it comes up I recommend people go read The Long Defeat. It's one of my favorite essays that you've Thank ever you. written. Um it's it's so fucking good. And and for for libertarians who are just like who are tempted to go along with like the 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 borderarian position just because it's like oh, Look, yeah, it is. It is something most people are going to support, and a lot of people might vote for it. And all this other stuff. Read the long defeat. Just read the long defeat. Um. Uh, pacing Joe Scott on Twitter, J O U S K A, uh, and also on Blue Sky, pacing Joe Scott at BSKY dot social. The show, T E T C dot show on Blue Sky at T E T C show on Twitter. And that is all. Later, guys. Thanks so much, y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.